here we are together again. What do you know? It's Remember, episode 166 with Hotshot Scott. Remember when we had our little patron Zoom fun last Wednesday and I said, No, to I don't that, remember it. Well, we did. And I remember saying that I, I kind of missed getting in front of a mic and talking about stuff because there was so much going on. But yeah, I like to scratch that if you can. After today. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't want to talk. I, what do I want to sit here for? Are you kidding me? You don't want to talk about guys getting fired at the University of Washington. You don't want to oh, talk yeah, about 17 nothing <laughs> losses. You don't want to talk about losing to Arizona State. You don't want to talk about Washington basketball losing its opening game to a team that they were 20 point favorites. What, 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 what exactly about those things don't you like? Yeah, I got to go. We'll see you next time, man. <laughs> Thanks for having me. See you guys. Oh, yeah. dear. So clearly you weren't invited to any of the Paris Hilton wedding celebrations this past week because you're here. I mean, you're not out of town, right? She, it, no. was like, it was a full week of Paris Hilton wedding. I don't know anything about that. She had like, Who'd she marry? Anybody I know? Nah, I don't think you'd know him. I can't remember no. his name. But she had like three separate enormous parties and anyone who's anyone was invited. And really? You and I are sitting here tonight, so. I assume it's still going. It's like a whole week of Paris Hilton wedding shit. <laughs> was it in Vegas? Because I was in Vegas. Were they these One parties of them in Vegas? Maybe yeah, she, sure. she used to love yeah. Vegas. Who yeah. knows? But yeah. a, little, a little self-indulgent from Paris Hilton. Episode 166. This is Mitchell Unfiltered. Subscribe, rate, and review if you don't mind. Give us a five-star rating like Jay Prazik did. Okay. He left or she left a five-star rating on the Apple Podcast. Great show. I feel like it's KJR of the old but better. I stopped listening to KJR when Mitch left. I do have a concern for Mr. Playoff's well-being. I've considered calling Adult Protective Services because they only selectively let Mr. Playoffs out like the gimp in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> I'll explain that reference to you later. Hopefully, I get that Oh, you reference. do? Okay, yeah, I wasn't I sure. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, with the longer NFL season and with the Kraken, he'll get a chance to get out more. So, yeah. Mr. Playoffs is being... Is being compared to the gimp from yeah. Pulp Fiction. With the red, the I did red not ball. like that movie at oh, all. By the way, the only one did not like it at all. Really? But I do remember the gimp. Yeah, yeah. What's Freaky. not to like about it? Oh, I didn't like anything about. It. I don't know the, the overall tone of it. I don't even, know, I don't even know that I understood it. Really? Really? Yeah. Are you open to trying it again? No. Twenty-seven years after no. you saw it the first time. No, absolutely not. It's incredible. What makes it so good? It's like a game changer for movies. What makes it so good? First of all, I feel like that this is one of those movies. No, it's not. I know what you're going to say, and it's not. You're wrong. I know exactly what you're going to say. What am I going to say? It's one of those movies that people love to say that they, they love. Yes. They, they kind of feel Everybody, cool. Yeah. And I think, I, know. They, I think people ab feel obliged to say, oh, Pulp Fiction. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the greats. It's sort of that like. That was Tarantino's um, best effort. <laughs> I think everybody feel. I, I'm just not going with the flow. I don't think it was that good. Yeah, that's kind of that's silly of you. Same with Game of Thrones. You, you refuse that, too, because you think everyone uh, loves it. And I just haven't. I'm just not interested in that type of show. Yeah. Game of Thrones. Okay, fine. That that genre of show doesn't do anything for me. What's the band that everyone says they love, but I don't know if they really do? Oh, I can't think of it. Um, anyway, there's a band like that, too, where oh. people love to announce. it. kind of fiction's a little bit. But better. I don't think it is, because no. I've watched it a hundred times. Like, I, I can't stop watching it when it's on. The dialogue and then all the separate storylines that somehow intertwine. Everybody loves Pulp Fiction. Okay. Oh, it's so good. You got to try it again as, That's fine. as a, a more mature man. No, I don't. <laughs> I think you do. No, I don't think I really you're do. You're going to love it. So we're happy to receive five-star ratings at Apple if you're willing to do that. Uh, also happy to receive your emails at Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com, like the one that I received from Mark in Portland this week. Okay. Hey, Mitch, just want you to know you've lost me as a patron. Oh. I'm throwing up my hands. Have you never heard of the adage, less is more? Your Monday shows are way too long. No one with a life can get through them. And now five more shows every week. Come on. 
I wish you the best, Mark in Portland. Too much show, too much content. Mark in Portland now has had enough, and he's uh, canceling, or he has canceled his, his patronage, and he's not listening to the Monday show either because it's just too long. But at some point, there was something he liked. So why can't he just enjoy what he likes from you in the Patronville? It sounds like he likes everything. It's just too much of it. What? And too much of a good thing, he'd rather none of a good thing. Just listen to the part you like and don't listen. What, I don't listen to every second you put out. I can't either, but I listen to it's the stuff much. I want to. It's too much. Yeah, but It's too much. People are done. Well, <laughs> They're canceling me. I'm being canceled. Can't win. Yeah, I, th- I thought content was king, and here we are. You're cranking it out like crazy. How could he not like Pat Benatar? Exactly right. The newest entry on the patron shows of the musical retro retrospectives yes. from from Hot Shots. How did he not like that? I haven't heard it yet. Exactly. I was but, just gonna say. How, how would you know? That's too much. It's too much content. I can't. That's listen true. To it. I can't. There's probably to a it senior golf event on or something. You got to <laughs> sit and watch it. Yeah, there actually was. <laughs> And we call it the Champions Tour. We don't call it seniors. Oh. For those of us that would register as seniors, yeah, yeah. we call it the Champions Tour. Oh, I call it the Walking Dead. Champions Tour always is going to preempt Pat Benatar. Is that right? Maybe not David Oof. Lee Roth. Maybe not your David Lee Roth one. But yeah, Pat yeah. Benatar? Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to get to it or you think you might at some oh, point? Oh, I'll, I'll definitely listen to it. You will? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. People seem to like it. So yeah. if you're a patron, go check Did it out. Did you like it? I, I listened to it like 30 times, so it's hard for me to say now. It's just. <laughs> I, Did you enjoy doing it? I always enjoy doing it. Yeah, I, I, I love doing them. It's just a lot of work. How so did I can't you bang them out. Was that an easy choice? Does Pat Benatar fit with all the others that you've done? Yeah. Well, I can tell you that when we were in Hawaii this past summer and we're sitting out with the lawn chairs and they got music yeah. going, a yeah. Pat Benatar song came on and my wife and her friend were like, oh, I love this song, Pat Benatar. Yeah. And it kind of hit me like, ah, oh, maybe I should look into her. Really? That's just what did it. Because of that reaction. How about that? But then I've since played like five other Pat Benatar songs for my wife. It's like, ah, I never heard that one. <laughs> So here I am, like halfway through it, going, "What about this one? You don't know this can't one. Cancel, you don't know this. Can't go back now. Can't go back now." But that's why I started it. I, I like to find the person that's like white hot for a while, but then yeah. didn't make it through the other side, like a Billy Joel or Elton John. You know, they were so hot. Like I, and, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, they talk about Pat, Pat Benatar like oh. twice, if you remember. Like three girls show up to school dressed like Pat Benatar with the headband and the short hair, and she was huge for a while, and then just you know. Can't sell out. I like Safe Pat, I, I liked. I wouldn't say I loved Pat Benatar, but I yeah. liked her enough, and I like you enough to oh. listen to the show. How long is the show gonna? What's it gonna set me back? I, well, there's a full song at the end, so if you don't listen to that, I think it's under an hour. Oh, that's too much content. Right? Even the Roth was like two I'm and a half hours. My patron. <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't cancel show. after that. Uh, guess where I'm going? Oh, this Friday night. Oh, did you get your uh, sweater, as they call it? I haven't gotten my sweater yet, and that's a story for a future podcast okay. because I'm going to make those sweaters, at least a few of those sweaters, available to our listeners. Okay. But I hope I'll have it by Friday night. Although, here's the thing. I think it's going to have my name on the back. Oh. And I can't. Come on. So now you're not going to wear it. The thing you... The only I'm going to wear it around the house. But, I don't see myself wearing it outside the why house. Why would you wear it around the house? You bought it to wear it well, at like, the games. First of all... <laughs> so stupid. Around the I house. didn't. I didn't choose to put Mitchie the kid on the back. You didn't. You you just know that if I wear that out to the game on Friday night, I'm going to my first cracking game. Yeah. I'm going to the Climate Pledge Arena for the first time. I'll have a full report for you in the next the next show. But right. you know that if I go and I wear that, people are going to be like, "Look at him! Look at him! He's like announcing that he's here." Oh, I mean, it's going to yeah. be so obnoxious. I, I can't wear that thing out. Well, who chose Mitchie the kid if you're never going to wear it? I'm going to wear it around the house. 
What? Like when I'm cheering on the crack in here. I'm going to wear... I can't... Don't you agree that if I wear something with my name on it, Mitch Levy, Mitch Unfiltered, Mitchie the Kid, do you not agree that somebody's going to see it and go, oh my God, look at that dude. He's so pitiful now. Look at him. He's wearing a jersey with his name to call attention. Hey, Mitchie the Kid is here. Do you not think that that's going to happen? Yeah, it'll happen. Okay, so why am I going to do that? I just don't know why you didn't pick something you could wear to the game. Well, I was going to put Go Kraken on it, but he didn't want me to do that because part of the whole spiel that we'll get into next week is that they personalize these jerseys, and he didn't think that that would be a good look for him, the guy who's doing it for me. Oh, okay. So he's putting Mitchie the game. So then I thought, what if I do this? I wear the jersey, but I wear something on top of it so that you can't see my name, but you can see the front of it. What, you're going to cut a hole in a bucket and put it over your head? No, no, so no, 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 no. I wear a jacket on top of yeah. it, right? That's open. The jacket is open in the front. So, the so you back, can see the front. Okay. You can see the front. You can't yeah. see the 32. All you right. can't see the Mitchie the Kid. Come on, I can't wear Mitchie the yeah. Kid out. Come on, you know I'm right about It's like that. if, if Graz wore a jersey that said the Graz. Oh. Like, yeah, you can't Oh, do, yeah. I'd be killing him. Yeah, it, you would be killing him, yes. Of course I would. So yeah. how can I go do it now? Yeah, that's true, I guess. Yeah, all right. Well, that's too bad. All right, by the way, I felt really uh, hockey um, what's the word when you centric? know a lot about stuff? I don't Hockey-centric? Know. I felt like a, a yeah, maven? I was, we were at a, a gala for uh, Toys for Kids last yeah. night, and there, yeah. was a, there was a Kraken package, and my wife was like, oh, we should, we should bid on this. She goes, it comes with four Kraken sweaters. Those are probably really cute. And I had to explain to her that a it's, sweater. It's not really the sweater like <laughs> Mr. Rogers wears. <laughs> That's actually the term for jerseys. <laughs> She really thought it was going to be four Kraken sweaters. We're we're all going to have matching Kraken sweaters. I know. God. Going to do your Christmas card? That's exactly right. Yeah. That's what she was picturing. That is pretty funny. So I had to, you know, spit the knowledge at her. I got these tickets from a friend of a friend. Okay. And I'm paying face value for it. Okay. And they told me I'm getting four tickets. The whole family's going. We've never been. We've never been to Climate Pledge. We're going to do the whole thing. $140 $140 a ticket. Yeah. So the tickets without parking are are running me $560 in case you don't want to do the math sure. on that. And I was saying to myself, and I'm looking at the tickets and I'm looking at the seating chart. It's not like I got like, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what you would call great seats. Yeah. Not, they're not club seats. They're not right on the ice. They're not, they look like middle of the road tickets. And I'm saying to myself, how does a family of four yeah. Go to a Kraken game at $560. Yeah, I know. They don't. That's crazy. Yeah. What I've heard a lot of people doing is like four people will split two seats or four people, you know, so you basically you get half the games. You, you know what I'm saying? Four people. Yeah, split well, two. I, get, I get that. So like a lot of people are going in on it, like a big groups of people yeah, are going in. Yeah, but I get that. But still a family of four that wants yeah, I know. I looked into it. Our buddy Bill Sanders That's has crazy. tickets. And he said, if you want to buy them, let me know. And they're 200 bucks a piece. Oh my God! I, it, I didn't. I didn't realize it was so. Is it? It must be this expensive just to go see hockey. Probably, yeah. It's just so red hot. Wow! And I didn't know that the Kraken are doing that thing the Seahawks do. Where what are the? Where they change? dynamic seating? That's right. Yeah. Where it depends upon the opponent. Yes, I didn't know they dynamic were doing that pricing. either. So it could be. Yeah, it could be a little more expensive. Look, I'm not telling you it's not worth it. I'll let you know whether it's worth it. But I just, I was stunned <laughs> that I was laying yeah. out 560 bones yeah. to go see a hockey game on a Friday night against the Colorado Avalanche. Right. And then I started thinking, for four a, people who don't a, like hockey, a, how does a family afford do it? Yeah. And B, what happens if they lose for a few years in a row? And I don't know that they are because I don't know anything about hockey. Maybe they're going to win this year. Maybe they're going to win next year. I'm not rooting against them. Please don't send me the email, the hate mail. But 
after two or three years of losing, are yeah. people going to pay for middle of the road tickets? hundred? Do they still do they pay that? I guess they pay yeah, that at other places. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Either. I don't know. I mean, you know, I was not expecting. She's like, okay, I got you the form. I'm going to send you the form. Send me five hundred and sixty dollars event. I was like, what? 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 <laughs> It's like a car payment. I thought I was paying like twenty nine dollars. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Forty dollars, fifty. Yeah, five hundred and sixty dollars. Send me a Venmo, five hundred sixty dollars, and I'll email you my tickets. Hopefully. And I was like, you, you didn't have Jerry Seinfeld yeah. tickets <laughs> a few years ago in Miami, did you? I just, I almost had a, a Mitch moment last week. I, I was, I was up against it for my wife's birthday, and she yeah. wanted, she wants to go see Mean Girls at the Paramount. Oh, and they're sold out. I, I dropped the ball. I had this a, is a show. This yeah, is a stage show. Like a Broadway. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I dropped the ball. Like, I thought she'd kind of forgotten about it. It was sold out. And then 35 times later saying, we should go see, I wish we could go to Mean Girls. I'm like, well, you can say that another 40 times, but it's sold out. So <laughs> why don't we figure out what we can do? But she wouldn't stop. So now I got to jump into the cesspool that is Craigslist, which I haven't done for oh, a long time. See, uh, I, I just, it scares okay, me. I, yeah, but I want to know how you're doing this. So this is what are I you did. sending the money first? This is are what they I did. sending the tickets first? So now I, I found a person. Yeah, she, you're going to meet them in person. I hope this person said, "Well, this has already happened." This person oh. said, "Yes, oh. I still have them." I write back, "Are they hard tickets?" Of course, they're not hard tickets. It's 2021, right? Yep. Yeah. She said, "No, um, but I can transfer them to you." So all I got to do is send her three hundred and fifty dollars. And I, I had this moment of, "Am I really going to go into the podcast and look Mitch in the freaking eye?" You better not do this. And and. As, as much as I laughed at you, I'm going to now tell you I just did the same thing. No, I, you're not going to do this. Am I really going to do that? You're not going to do this. So she sent me her LinkedIn account. I don't give a shit. You're <laughs> not going to do this. Don't you dare. Well, you made, you made, you, you sent me to a therapist yeah. for an extra, an extra, extra couple of times a week yeah, there you go. over my decision to send money before I got the tickets. Yeah. You, you are not allowed to do this. So I saw on her LinkedIn that she works in Bellevue. So yeah. I asked, I asked, I said, sorry for the paranoia. Would you be willing to meet at like a Starbucks and yeah. you can forward them yeah. in front of me? And she did. And she was a real person and it completely oh, worked out. Okay. Crazy, right? Like, yeah. Uh, How much did the mean girl set you? Three tickets or four tickets? Uh, this would be two tickets. Piper's out. Oh, I thought the whole idea was to take Piper to mean girls. No, it's my daughter. It's my wife's birthday. Oh, but I thought that the mean girls thing is a, is a Piper thing. No, Piper goes, just I, you and your wife. Yeah. Piper goes, do they sing? It's a musical, so yeah, yeah they're probably yeah. going to sing. Oh, she Piper. doesn't want that. Yeah, she's hot and cold, you know. Okay, all right. So, how much are the Mean Girl tickets? Three fifty for both of them. One seventy five. Yeah, and I don't know if Where that's space, sitting? but I didn't ask. You're not sitting in Abe Lincoln's spot. <laughs> no, I'm not. Oh, the top. <laughs> no, but you're not at the top left. You're not over there. And I, I hope I don't want to happen to me what happened to him. You. Um, yeah, but no, it's it's the the front mezzanine, the second level in the front there, kind of hang where you hang over the front. Oh, so pretty. She said she when loves you them get, there. When so. you headed? When you headed? Uh, next Saturday on the on the twentieth. It's uh, oh, well, we know her birthday's on the twenty first. I know yeah, her birthday's I need that on the day 21st. off. I don't know if you're... I, I, that's why I know that it's okay, on the twenty first. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know I needed yeah. that day off until I heard. Yeah. Hey, you're uh, you're not you're not doing the podcast on my birthday, are you? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we are. Don't know if I am. Doesn't sound like it. Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, she's like just assumed I wasn't going to do the podcast. She so. wants you the whole day. The whole day. I'm see, very like, sought after. See, like I'm, my wife, when when it's her birthday, she'd be like, well, let's go to dinner. But, you know, get out of my grill for the rest <laughs> well, of the day. You except know? for last time you went to Colorado for a week or something for her birthday. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Except for that one, though, right? Well, that was a big birthday. Is this okay. a big birthday? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> you I, don't I, know? I don't know. I, I quit asking her how old she is. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's not it. a milestone birthday. No. Stop it. No. Three games for weekend number 11 in the National Football League and a password. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Let me tell you what the three games are first. 
will resume. And by the way, don't worry. Nobody gained any ground on anybody else. We took a week off. Yeah. I didn't answer all the all oh. the emails. It's fine. People wouldn't leave me alone. Everything is just fine. Don't worry. Here are the three games for weekend number 11 in the password. Packers-Vikings is game number one. Bengals-Raiders is game number two. Cowboys-Chiefs okay. is game number three. And the code word is fired. Ah, All gotcha. lowercase. Okay. Okay. I tried. I tried to not talk about sports this whole time, but we eventually had to get around to it, didn't uh, we? We, we? I think we have to get around to yeah. it. Yeah. Not only sports, but reaction to opinions. We got, we got a lot to... I don't even know how we're going to do this. Yeah, I don't know It's going to be too much content and people are going <laughs> to jump off the bandwagon. <laughs> Let me give you guests, okay? Quickly, some guests. Seahawks, no table. Hawks uh, at Green Bay. We'll talk to the guys. Rick Neuheisel on the dismissal and all the things happening yeah. at the University of Washington. And Danny O'Neill on the same topic. He's got a lot to say. He flew from New York to Washington to be here for the last two Huskies games. He's wow. a beloved Husky yeah. UW alum. And he's got plenty to say about what's gone on in the football program. Did Neuheisel send you down that, that, that path again to the old casino, or did you, did you take a week off from him and his advice? No, I didn't take a... I went to Vegas. Oh, that's... <laughs> That's right. You, not only did you not take a week off, you stepped it up a little bit to ensure that you're constantly surrounded by a place to make a and sports bet. And he didn't money. give one selection. He gave two. Oh, boy. I can't wait to hear wah, it. Oh, jeez. The good thing is, as a result of his incompetence, yeah. his one in ten incompetence, he's doing a song to commemorate oh, his bad picks. Yes. He's pretty good at guitar, right? Like He's great at well. I don't know what I mean, the grade he, is. he can play guitar. He plays yeah, guitar. Yeah. He likes to sing parodies. He likes oh, he to does. write music. <laughs> likes to write songs. Okay, cool. So he's, uh, he's doing a song for us to commemorate just how bad of a season it's been for him. I can't in wait. In terms of his picks, okay? Yep. Hot Shot, riddle me this. Where are we without our partners, our sponsors like Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers all working together to bring retirement planning, taxes, and investments under one roof. EvergreenGK.com, more than just a financial advisor. Evergreen is everything wealth. The Levy family loves Zeke's Pizza. We typically go half and half, something with mushrooms involved on one side, which keeps me away, and then onions and sausage or pepperoni, a little spicy on the other side. Anyway, download the Zeke's Pizza app and have Zeke's at your door in no time, homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler next Tuesday, the 23rd, the 7th annual Apple Cup Wine Dinner at the Bellevue location. Drew Bledsoe, Damon Heward, or as he's known better, Sam's dad, it's a great tradition, superb food, great storytelling, and some inside info to register at danielsbroiler.com. Fireside Home Solutions, the title sponsor, Beat the Boys. Our brand new outdoor fireplace is warming the entire patio thanks to Fireside Home Solutions. It's awesome. They're great. Start your search at firesidehomesolutions.com. And you know by now that Jordan Flowers and his team have changed the name across their jerseys. It's now Cross Country Mortgage in Kirkland, offering incredible refinance opportunities. So many of you could be saving money every single month, and you're blowing the opportunity. 425-890-2957 for Jordan. 425-890-2957. Episode 166, Hot Shot Scott. And it begins right now. 
unfiltered. He's going to play some way, somehow, against the Seahawks, yeah. and he's going to play very well. Yeah. All right? I, don't want, I don't want to hear, oh my God, he might be rusty because he missed two weeks of practice. I, no, no. Aaron Rodgers is going to be a star on Sunday. I have set my expectations, and if it doesn't happen... I'll be happy. Unfiltered. The Rams just figured, yeah, 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 we can address weaknesses. That's not a weakness. Sacks are not a weakness. We're yeah. number one in the league. It's a, let's just make our team even better. Just going for it. Deeper. Yeah. If somebody should get hurt, we've got a little insurance. But, but they gave up a pretty hefty price. Now, what they also got for that second and third rounder is the Broncos to pay the rest of his $9 million salary this year. So they're not, they're not even paying the guy. Mitch is unfiltered. Okay, episode 166 is now officially underway. Hotshot Scott is in the house. I have the name of that band that I was trying to think of. It's called, yes. They're called Radiohead. People say that it's it's, it's out of your realm of your little weird <laughs> orbit of Barry Manilow. People love to say they love Radiohead because I think it makes oh, them feel know. like smart or something. Why? I, I don't know what it is about Radiohead. People love it. They love to say how much they love Radiohead. They, they, they're like the uh, the band's band or the critics' band. I don't right, know. Like right, the hipster band. Right. I, I know one album and then one other song and that's it. But people love to say they love Radiohead. Well, this is episode 166. I want to remind everybody to become a patron at MitchUnfiltered.com, $5 a month. But if you're, if you're having trouble at this, this stage of your, your, your existence and you want, you want it for nothing, just send me Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com a note and I'll take care of that. I also want to remind you we have the new Mitch Unfiltered YouTube channel. Yes. So if you haven't already checked it out, go to YouTube, uh, type in Mitch Unfiltered, and you can subscribe for free to that. And you can see some of the videos that come along with these shows. I do want to, if I may... Before we get to the Seahawks and before we get to Jimmy Lake and before we get to Jen Cohen and the University of Washington, I do want to get something off my chest. I don't want to make this a big thing, okay? but it's a little bit annoying and I do want to, I do want to bring it up. I promised that I would bring it up on the show. Okay. I think most people know by now that for patrons on a weekly basis, I interview Randy Mueller. Do you think most people listening right now know that? Yeah, okay. I think so. Does everybody know who Randy Mueller is? Yeah, I think a lot of your listeners probably. He was in the NFL for like 30 or 40 years. He was a GM in three different places, including Seattle, New Orleans, Miami with Nick Saban. Yeah. He was the GM of the year when he was in New Orleans. He's a local guy. He's worked with a lot of organizations. He's been in scouting. He's been around the NFL and in the NFL for a long time. I have him on on a weekly basis. I love having him on, and I've challenged him when he does come on to step out. Okay. We start every interview the same way where I ask him, because it's weekly, what are the three things that you liked last week and what are three things that you really didn't like last week? And he called me last week before the show, which he never does, okay. to tell me that he wanted to keep the three things that he didn't like local because he didn't like what was going on at the University of Washington and he didn't like what was going on with the OBJ and how the Seahawks were handling the OBJ thing. Yeah. And he really didn't like the way Russell Wilson's team hyped up the recovery and all the videos oh, yeah. <laughs> and the Instagram pictures Ugh. and the thing on Sunday Night Football where he's rehearsing when the cameras are on and the pin coming out and all, yeah. the, all the different stuff. Randy's old school and he wanted to discuss that. Great. So he kind of, I would say he went off. I think he used the words, it was a little much for me. 
You know okay. what I'm talking about, yeah, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The whole, Does everybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the whole announcing I'm going to do it. I'm going to be recovered early. And then he put the picture of the pin and it's go time. And the videos it was all about of, him. The verdi- yeah. videos of him working out right, in L.A. Right. Yeah. And, and then the thing on Sunday Night Football. Yeah. And then going out for the coin toss. And then the pin is out and there was a picture of the pin. You know, just this whole kind of branding, I guess, for lack of a better. Yeah. Randy Mueller said... It, it was just a little much for me because hmm. he's a little old school. He's yeah. more about the team and a bit less about the individual and so forth. So I went ahead and I posted that clip to sell, to promote the Randy Mueller patron show. Yeah. And it was fun for a while. As you would imagine, there was a lot of feedback. There was a lot of reaction on both sides. Yeah, he's right. Oh, he's a dinosaur. Get him off the air. Get him. He he doesn't understand young men and young people. He doesn't understand how it works anymore. You know, it was going back and forth. Yeah. And it was fun for a while until it became a racial. Oh, here we go. Two old white guys taking a shot at Russell Wilson. Those two same white guys wouldn't take a shot of Tom Brady when he does something similar, but they take a shot of Russell Wilson. Right. So it materialized into a racial issue, okay. which really frustrated me, disappointed me, the whole the whole gamut. Yeah. I was beside myself. I was really beside myself. And, I, and I, I wrote some things on Twitter, which I don't regret. And I want to say to you now, I just don't understand. Randy Mueller's not even saying he doesn't like Russell Wilson. I think, and I, I, I think I'm speaking for him, he probably likes Russell Wilson a lot. Yeah. Likes him as a football player. It's hard not to like him as a guy. Right. I'd like my sons to grow up to be like Russell Wilson. Sure. The way he handles himself, his humility and everything else, his grace. Why is it that we can't disagree with the way somebody does something without it becoming a black and white issue? Explain this to me. Oh, you want me to explain it to yeah, you? Yeah, I want you to oh, explain it to me. I just want to listen. Me. No, I this just is want where you to come I, in. Yeah, I just want you to explain it to me. Explain the uh, racial situation in this oh, country oh, oh, right no, now. No, no, I want you to explain why. Have you ever have you ever disagreed with somebody that you care? You can care about somebody yeah. and like somebody a lot. That doesn't mean you have to agree with every single little thing they do. Have you ever disagreed with somebody, a family member or a yeah. friend that you really care about and respected, yeah. but you just disagreed with the way they were going about something yeah so why can't we i just find the whole thing so disappointing and almost irresponsible and almost you know throwing the card around it feels like it almost is hurtful to the fight the the important fight and the important conversations that we do have yeah. and the issue that is on the table the legitimate issue that's on the table it almost waters down the conversation it diminishes when people, it for sure completely yeah. don't yep. you agree yep. with that especially right now there's two major court cases going on in this country that are racially charged, tensions have never been higher, and then just to throw something kind of flippant out there like that? And by the way, it wasn't one. Oh, really? It wasn't one. Okay, yeah. You like want to call me an old fart? <laughs> fine. You want to call me a guy who the games pass by? Fine. You want to call Randy Mueller a dinosaur? Fine. Yeah. You want to call us idiots? Fine. But really, if we don't love the whole hype machine that Russell Wilson's team puts out around his injury and his recovery, we're... We don't like him. We don't approve of him. That means we're racist. I, I don't if you know. want racial equality, then you should be able to, to talk about whoever you want and not Shouldn't even think be? about that, right? Shouldn't I mean, it's so silly. God. I know. Okay. You know, it, it, it is hurtful, though. Like, it, it's so hurtful to suggest that. I've, I don't know. I can't remember a time when someone's called me that but, or I've said something. I don't like it. I don't, I, I don't like, like it. it. I don't like it. it. And, and you, don't have to, you don't have to put up with it, honestly. Yeah, I do have to put up with well, it. <laughs> <you> can, <laughs> what am I going to do about well, it? Well, you can lash back. Should I quit? Or, should I quit? 
Well, you don't have to quit, but you know, if you're upset about it, then feel free to speak your mind, say something. Well, it, I just said don't, it. Don't let people. I just spoke my mind. Yeah, right back to him if you want to. Don't let people call you that. I mean, it's it's just bullshit. It really is bullshit. Well, it, it's so hurtful. But they don't call you it. They don't say you're a well, racist. They okay. just say, oh, two old white guys yeah. taking a shot at Russell Wilson, and they those same white guys won't take a shot at Tom. Br I mean, what is he really saying? Well, yeah, exactly. You said he's not saying it, but that's okay. what he's saying. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anyway. How'd the Seahawks do over the weekend? <laughs> they do okay? Let's How'd Russell Wilson do over the weekend? Let's go back to racially charged topics in this was, country. Was Russell Wilson ready to play? Well, I jokingly, kind of jokingly at halftime said, don't lie. Is anyone sort of wishing Geno could have a series? And did anybody answer? A lot of answers. A lot of F no's. No way. There was, really? one, there was one person who said, yeah, I would like to see him with one series. So to answer your question, at the end of the game, he did not look right. ready. Well, let me, let me be perfectly clear on this so I don't ride the fine line here. <laughs> okay. I don't want to be accused of anything. Yeah. When you're dealing with a Hall of Fame quarterback, when you're dealing with a guy to the stature of Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or Tom Brady, these guys that are first ballot Hall of Famers, mm -hmm. When they come back from injury and they proclaim themselves ready, there's no question. They play. Right. You do not hold them out. Right. Now, if you're asking, having watched the three hours that I watched on Sunday and never getting those three hours back and having watched Russell Wilson kind of look like the quarterback that I think everybody thought he was going to be when he came out of Wisconsin <laughs> in the third round. That's a really good description. Yeah. I think that's kind of what, throwing the ball to the other team, making poor decisions, missing Tyler Lockett on the sidelines, throwing it 20 yards over his head. He's wide open, yeah. 15 yards. I mean, having watched that, if you said to me right now, and I tweeted it out, would Geno Smith have given them a better chance of winning? The answer, I, I, and I'm, I'm clear about it, is yes. He would have. Mm. I don't think they would have won with Geno Smith. And okay. I'm not saying, hear me out, I am not saying that Pete Carroll should have started Geno Smith or that he should have pulled Russell Wilson, except maybe in the last the last possession. I'm not saying Geno Smith should have played. I'm merely answering the question because I don't believe when you're Dan Marino or Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre or Joe Montana and you're hurt and you come back from injury, you proclaim yourself ready. The doctors proclaim you ready. You play. Yeah, it's not a coach's it's decision. No, it's not a decision. Yeah. You, whether the coach thinks, oh, we might be, he might be a week away, you play the guy. He has earned that right, and, and, yep. and, and you play him. So I'm not questioning that. Okay. I am saying that having watched that game, that I do believe that they would have had a better chance to win the game with Geno Smith. I do believe that. I don't think they would have won with Geno Smith, but I think they would have had a better chance. Why do you think they wouldn't have won so, so clearly? I don't know. I just think the offensive line mm. didn't do a great job in protection. I don't know the receivers were well were wide open. I, I don't know that there were a lot of plays for Geno to make. So I, I, I we'll never know. Who right, knows? Right, right. I mean, it's I, 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 question, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't feel in my gut that they would okay. have won the game with Geno, but I think that they would have had a better chance. Now, what does that mean for next week? Number three should be better next week. They face an Arizona Cardinals, and I say that next week. I mean this week. Yeah. They face the Arizona Cardinals this week, who has been without Kyler Murray, which is really strange because he was supposed to play two weeks ago, and then he got scratched. And then he was supposed to play this past week, then he got scratched. Huh. I'm wondering, and they, they got manhandled at home by Carolina. I'm starting to wonder, is it possible? Of course, it's not our luck. Aaron Rodgers came back, so Kyler Murray will come back That's right, yeah. for the game against the Seahawks. But yards. I'm starting to wonder... 
I'm starting to wonder whether this Cardinals team can be had if we can get Russell Wilson up to speed. Yeah. He is not immortal, even though his his recovery kind of suggests that he is. Yeah, his team would tell you he is. He, he, need, he, he clearly needed a game and maybe two. I don't know that he's going to be all that much better against the Cardinals. You would think he'll be better against the Cardinals now that he's shaking a little of the rust off. You don't know. Yeah, I'm, I was wondering if it's better that he plays in this game or if he takes this game off to Which rest game his are we hand, talking about? The, this Packer game. Would, would, would he have been better off just resting? <sighs> See, or I, is it better to get the game I reps? don't know. See, I don't know either. I don't know. Did the ball look kind of weird coming out of his hand? Like, not the yeah. spirals weren't... No, it looked weird when it was 15 <laughs> yards over the head of, yeah. the, of the wide open receiver. Or at yes. their feet from time to time. Or right into double cover, right into yeah. the guy's... Right, right into the bread basket of the guy. Even though I don't think the guy caught it, that's another thing. How was the officiating? I, you know, I don't want to make the the <laughs> podcast unfiltered about the officiating. But how was it? That's got to be one of the most lopsided officiated games I've seen in a long time. Normally, when officiating is bad, it's like bad across the board, and you can probably find instances on both sides yeah. where it screwed over the Packer. I found I maybe I'm just old. I and blind, but I found that the officiating. There must have been like five or six calls that went against the Seahawks yeah. that were just excruciatingly bad. Am I wrong about that? Well, I've been saying for years that this game, they, they, they can't govern it. It's too fast. They, and then they refuse to ask for help. So, oh. so, no, you're not wrong. It happens all the time. That They, they could not believe that, who was it, um, the, uh, Damian Lewis, on that holding call, no, he just got his ass beat. Like the refs couldn't understand that a grown man in the NFL could get beat that badly. He got. They, they obviously rushed. haven't watched the Seahawks' offensive line. <laughs> they haven't watched Ethan Posick. They're, they're thinking to themselves, "Well, there must have been a hold because no player would just get bull rush and get knocked on his ass like no, that in the NFL." No hold. There was no hold. I mean, it's it started on the Seahawks' first possession. Do you remember the first possession of the game where Russell Wilson no. on third down scrambles? Oh. For, I don't know whether I'm more angry that of the spot, which was horrendous, or that Pete Carroll has got a thumb up his ass. He's not challenging. Challenge. Yeah. Was it not obvious that he was past the yellow, way past the yellow line? They're no. calling their, they're calling their they first down They even called it first down. Yeah, it's yeah. a first and down. And they changed it on some level. They just, yeah, just completely changed it. That was a bad call. Yeah. When Rodgers fumbled the ball and our guys got the ball underneath his chest and with his arms around it. And Rodgers has got like one arm. They called that a co-recovery? A tie, yeah. Tie goes to the offense, right? What was a tie about that? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I think Ty's... What kind of a tie was that? Ty's we had the, the ball. Ties go to the Packers. That, that's what we've learned. Ties just go to the Packers. Anytime it's close, they get the call. There was an illegal hands to the face. Hands to the face, yeah, on that, that cost, sack. On a sack that yeah. cost him the possession. Even the interception, which was just a horseshit play by Russell Wilson, where he spins out of trouble. They're finally going to get into the end zone. He yeah. throws in the end zone. The guy fell to the ground. The ball came loose. The interceptor fell to the ground. The ball yeah. came loose. I, I don't. I, it was almost the twilight zone watching that game. There was, a, there, was, there was a few different, like five or six different instances Bad. where I thought, oh, my God. And the announcers were like, and, and don't get me started on the announcer. Oh, okay. Okay, Tony Romo. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about Tony Romo? Oh, everyone for loves a second? He's the best that's ever done it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, at eighteen million dollars a year. Yeah, yeah. They pay him eighteen million dollars. Oh, is it a year. that high? Oh, he's the he is so good. He forecasts what plays yeah, coming yeah. before they happen. He's just he's like no other color commentator except for in one regard. He refuses to prepare for the game and like learn the names. 
Would it be nice if he learned oh. the names of the guys? <laughs> I know what you're saying, yeah. How many times do I have to hear, well, 28 held there, yeah. or 56 <laughs> was bearing in on that him, is annoying, or 19. <laughs> let me, let, can I just tell you something? I don't mean to be one of these uppity Syracuse University broadcast yeah, yeah. guys, Newhouse School of Communications. The first thing they teach you the first day okay. is don't give me numbers on a play-by-play, on a, on a TV or radio broadcast. Right. You give me names. You prepare before the game. You learn who is who, and you don't call them out by numbers. Now, some people say, well, he's being cute, and that's the way coaches do it. Bullshit. He was lazy. He did not know Amadi's name. He did not know Brooks's name in the first half. He knew it in the second yeah. half. He did not know Hart's name. He's calling him 19. You think for $18 million a year, we could get a guy that actually le- takes the time to learn the names of the Seattle Seahawks? Really? He, he was not doing that thing that people said he was doing. He was not doing the cute thing where, no. you know, like when you watch your kids play baseball and like you're the pitcher, but come on, let's go 24. Yeah, you got it. No, you know, no, he, he, no, he wasn't doing no. that. Th- that's what his, that's what his apologists are saying. That, that's oh, right. that, That's Tony Romo. That's, that's no, no, Mitch, he, you don't understand. The game's passed you by. You're an old white guy. Yeah. Um, you know. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't doing that. No. He didn't know the guy's names. Yeah. Now, I, I've heard a lot of announcers not know the person, but then look it up. And the, so they'll say, great tackle there by number 33, Jamal Adams. You know, right. they'll, they'll like, you tell they're looking he, it up. He was doing that in the second half. Yeah, he didn't do much in the first half. No, because he I didn't know their names. Yeah. He totally didn't know their names. Yeah. 18 million a year, you can't prepare and know the guy's names? Isn't there a numerical roster next to Jordan Brooks. Over? Jordan Brooks. It's not like he's some obscure guy. He's their starting linebacker. Yeah. You can't know him with the starting linebacker. Uh, yeah. yeah I was, it's it's excuse. I thought Romo was piss poor hmm. on Sunday's game against the Seahawks and, Seahawks I, and the Packers. I don't want to pile on him, but this whole thing about him predicting the plays, I guarantee if you took any NFL quarterback and put them in the booth, they could do the same thing, right? Well, they don't, though. Troy Aikman's in there. I mean, there's a lot of quarterbacks. Well, he hasn't booth. played in 20 years. I mean, Romo's fresh <laughs> off. passed him by. Maybe he's a little bit. Guy. Sure, it's evolving. Yeah, if you put, like, yeah. you know, any NFL quarterback in there, they could do the same thing. It's funny because they're three and six, and in uh, – out of one side of my mouth, I'm going to say what I've said to you all along, and I'm going to stand by it. I do not think they're out of it at three and six. I know people are going to say, oh, what are you talking? They're three and six. Yeah. I do not think they're out of it because of the way the, in, in terms of being out of a playoff spot. Currently, I believe the seventh and final playoff position in the NFC would go to a four and five team. They're one game behind four and five. Oh the whole NFC last week when we were off lost. Hmm. and came back to them. So what I've said all along, and I'll say it again, they're going to play five have-nots, and they're going to play three more halves, eight games total. The have-nots, and I'll do it based on memory, not not necessarily in any order. They're playing the Texans. They're playing the Washington football team, which wasn't, wasn't much of a have-not on Sunday. They beat Tom Brady. Um, they're playing the Lions. They're playing the Bears, and they're playing the 49ers here. Okay. Five games they're going to be favored to win. As long as they win those five, you want to talk to me about them being out of it, you got to wait until they lose at least one of those five. As long as they win those five, and they're not going to lose one of those five this week because they're playing the Cardinals. Right. As long as they win those five, that gives them eight. Now all they have to do is win one of the other. Now I'm not telling you they're going to do it, but this whole notion that they're out of the playoffs at three and six is just categorically not true. You're not taking into consideration what's going on in the NFC. Having said that. You saw what you saw. I'm not. No, I saw what I saw, yeah. but I was going to say something else. Oh, sorry. That's okay. There was a pathetic moment from Sunday. Okay. That maybe I shouldn't make a mountain out of a. Maybe it's a molehill. Okay. And I'm just maybe I'm just being too melodramatic. 
Maybe I'm just an old white guy where the game has passed me by. <laughs> Did you watch the game to the end on Sunday? Pretty close, yeah. So it's 10 to nothing. And the Packers have the ball at like the five-yard line, and there's like three minutes to go in the game. Yeah. And they're either going to kick a field goal to make it 13 to nothing, or they're going to go in and make it 17 to nothing, which they did. And they show this cutaway of Pete Carroll yeah. standing on the sidelines with three timeouts and just looking like, at look, the clock and letting it go. Yeah, like he'd almost, given up, right? There was almost, and I, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run the risk of really pissing some people off right now, but it's called unfiltered. There was almost, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Lethargy. Uh, a changing of the guard. Uh, huh. Like it was a like a signature moment, like almost like, was Pete Carroll watching his, his reign and his time with the Seattle Seahawks? Just, they were only down 10-0. Yeah. They had three timeouts. You can get the ball. Weirder things have happened. Sure, you could hold them to three. Yeah. It could be 13 nothing. You could get the ball, go down, and kick an, kick an onside kick. He was just, he was just, do you know the... the, the yes, the, I told it. Because someone tweeted me and said, it looks like Pete had just kind of quit, just given up. Like, there's no it more It was almost compete. like a signature yeah. moment in the history of Pete Carroll. Yeah. It was almost... I know I what you're know. saying. I, I, it was weird. Because he is Mr. Very Compete, weird. high energy, never give up. You Nothing don't, there. You don't win games in the second Nothing quarter. Nothing there. Nothing there. You're Nothing right. there. Not calling timeouts. Yeah, just kind of like, Just man. letting it go. Yeah. We lost. We suck. Moving on. Yeah. I, I did, that, that does, it was pathetic. It, it really it was, was sad. It was a pathetic 30 seconds of TV that yeah. I was watching. Anyway. Very sad. Anyway. Okay. But they're not going to make a move, though, right? I mean, it's not like... No, they're not... Fu- Jen Cohen is not firing Pete Carroll <laughs> okay, in the middle of the year All unless right. he grabs a, a player yeah. and shoves him out of bounds. I don't think she's uh, firing Pete Carroll. But okay. we'll get to that in the other stuff segment. Uh, yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. Fairly deep into November now. Lots happening. Lots of fun happening at Daniel's Broiler. Here's the CEO, Lindsey Schwartz, to talk about the seventh annual Apple Cup wine dinner happening November the 23rd at Daniel's Broiler Bellevue. Hi, Lindsay. Tell everybody what it's all about. Yeah, Mitch. The Apple Cup Wine Dinner is a blast. It features Damon Heward and Drew Bledsoe and a great meal at Daniel's. For your listeners that don't know, those guys each have their own winery. Damon has Passing Time Winery and Drew has Doubleback Winery, and they both make excellent wines, and they love to talk about them. And they could both be the next two coaches. At Washington and Washington State, although I don't know that Damon wants to coach his son. What happens? Do they get up and give a presentation? Do they do a little show? Give us a sense. Yeah, I mean, they sit down with everybody and have dinner, and kind of throughout the night, they jump up, and, you know, usually they're, they're kind of right there together, and they're speaking, obviously. Damon can talk Husky football. Drew can talk Cougar football. Like I said, they both love to talk about their wines. They get along really well. They've known each other a long time. They're friends, but they're super competitive, both about football and about wine, and so they, they like to give it to each other. And, uh, you know, some years, one or both of the teams are pretty good. <laughs> This year, eh. well, no, Washington State's having a good season. What are you talking about? Without yeah, a coach, that's right. I'm team. sorry, I shouldn't say that. There's, yeah. <laughs> so, does Damon Heward enjoy talking more about his wine or the backup quarterback, soon to be starting quarterback at the University of Washington, Lindsay? 
Well, I've heard him talk about his wine a lot more historically, <laughs> but this year, obviously, things are a little bit different and, and a little bit crazy. And I think what's going to make it really, really extra fun this year is to get both their perspectives on, uh, on what's going on with those programs. And obviously, both those programs, they got a lot to talk about. So yes. it, I'm really yes. looking forward to it. Inside info on Washington State and the University of Washington football programs from Damon Heward and Drew Bledsoe at the Apple Cup Wine Dinner on Tuesday, November the 23rd. How do people sign up to, to be with you in Bellevue? Yeah, it's super easy. You just go to danielsboiler.com and click the link to register, and uh, you'll get all the information there on how to do it. November the 23rd, it's a Tuesday. It's the 7th Annual Apple Cup Wine Dinner with Damon Heward of the UW and Drew Bledsoe of Washington State University. A lot of fun at a great partner, Daniels Broiler, a world-class steakhouse. Unfiltered. Third and goal from the three. We'll go to the ground. Dylan fighting and packing his way in for the game's first touchdown. First and ten. And going for it all is Wilson. End zone interception. Avis comes away with it. It's disappointing, you know. This was a this was a real shot, and we could feel it, and we knew it. And uh, unfortunately, we couldn't get get the right plays made at the right time to get it done. Taco Time Northwest TacoTimeNW.com presents on this episode 166 the Seahawks no table final score 17 nothing. Let's get the KP out of the way. Somebody on this panel, I believe, at 22-21. Is that right, Brady? You had 22-21? Yes, that's correct. You're or tw- something like that. You had Your 22-21 beats my 34-16. to Joe, again, is out in the schmutz looking for his ball. So we'll have, to, uh, we'll have to just exclude him from the competition, which means that, Brady, you've scratched and clawed your way back into this thing three and a half, two and a half to two. So you're right in it, Brady. Yeah, well, you know, there's a lot of season left, too. So I wouldn't be surprised if I'm leading this thing in, uh, in a week or so, week or two. We, uh, we are not going to go straight to 17 nothing as, uh, as we left you the last time on the patron episode of the Seahawks No Table. Joey, Joey Fan, Joey Vegas, Joey Golfer, Joey Tournament Golfer was telling everybody both on Twitter and on our show that he's playing in his first competitive golf tournament. I believe ever in Las Vegas, and I saw on Twitter the scorecard from round one in '86, talking about how how proud he was of himself and how excited he was. He actually posted the scorecard, but I'm still waiting. I have not heard. It was a two-round tournament, Joey. What do you have for us? Yeah, the ten on eighteen in round two, oh. and the ninety-four finish was tough, but that's all right. It was a lot of fun. It it's amazing what tournament golf does for your nerves and uh, and just the emotions of it and you know putting out every three footer and it, it was really fun. It was really challenging. I hope to do better next time. But uh, swing feels good. Swing feels good. So we're making making progress. So it was a ten for ninety four. Yeah. You know what Arnold Palmer? You don't know who Arnold Palmer is, Joe, because you're too young to know who Arnold Palmer. He's is. the Golden Bear, right? No, he's a little bit different than that. <laughs> he's a little different than that. You know, the, the, the uh, Arnold Palmer, the great Arnold Palmer, I think once made a 12 
in a golf tournament on the PGA Tour, and he got to the press afterward, and somebody afterward, and somebody said to him or asked him, "Hey, Arnold, how'd you make 12 on 16?" <laughs> Do you know the answer, Brady? Didn't he say, "I missed a putt, then I missed a putt, then I missed another putt, or something no, like that"? No, he said, "I." I missed a 12-footer for 11. Oh, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. I like that. Uh, All right. Me and Arnold Palmer, same guy. Same guy. Listen, Brady, 17-0. Why did the Seahawks lose to the Packers on uh, on Sunday afternoon? Well, it wasn't because of their defense, uh, that's for sure. It was, I mean, their offense put out a clunker, and uh, I thought it was really interesting the way that Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson both described Wilson's performance. I mean, anybody watching this game would conclude that Russell Wilson's finger was still bothering him to some degree, uh, either that or and or the layoff, uh, you know, the, going a month without playing or practicing. And both of them said repeatedly that they didn't feel like that was the issue. Wilson especially said his finger felt fine. Um, it's just it's hard to reconcile the numbers, you know, as lousy as they were. Some of those errant throws, which, you know, you just don't see this typically from one of the more accurate quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, I'm not really talking about the two interceptions. I mean, those were those were uncharacteristic mistakes in their own right. But I'm talking about just the way the ball sailed a few times uh, and just how off he was. But, you know, as much as the numbers and, and some of the throws would suggest that his finger was still bothering him, he said it wasn't. Joe, you buy it? I do. I, I don't look at that. I just think he played a terrible game. It's a guy who hasn't played in a month. And to me, the most concerning part was the, the, uh, the decision making. The first interception was about as bad a decision as I've ever seen Russell Wilson make. Because by the time he evaded pressure and made that throw, he wasn't under a ton of duress. And so he had a very clear vision of what he was looking at in the end zone. And he basically hit Kevin King in the numbers. Now, we could talk about the refs and we can talk about how the defense was better. But, I mean, it all comes down to the offense that this is a trend that's been going on basically all season outside of the Colts game. And then the first half against the Titans and then other spurts, first half against the Vikings as well. Nothing is happening in the rhythm of the offense. Everything is scramble drill. It's bail from the pocket. Try to make it work late. Hero ball. And it's just, I don't know what the deal is with Shane Waldron. I don't know what the deal is with Pete Carroll and and whether or not there's influence there that's keeping Shane Waldron from being the mastermind that that players touted him to be during the offseason. But we're just not seeing it. There's not a whole lot of imagination you know, D. Eskridge, we heard, was going to be a, play a big role in this game. His first touch, I think it was like maybe even his first snap, is the most predictable end-around in the history of end-arounds that goes for a four-yard loss and gets blown up. Yes, Alex Collins missed a block, but the Packers were all over that. So the offense is in a world of hurt right now because they've got elite weapons. They're not doing a good enough job of getting those elite weapons the ball. Tyler Lockett, a complete non-factor again which is something that we see a lot from him over the last couple of years. He has big-time games, but then a lot of games where there's nothing. And then DK Metcalf, you can see the frustration continuing to boil over for him, saying he's sick of losing. He gets ejected in this game, even though he stayed in the game and, and played a couple <laughs> more snaps after getting ejected. But, yeah, the offense is in a bad place right now. I, I just I can't believe they got shut out on Sunday. 
I, I can't either, and we talked about this before when we were making our predictions. I mean, I, I thought that this would be at least a close game. I guess Mitch didn't get the KP, but he was right in the sense that it was a blowout, at least a blowout on the, the scoreboard because it was obviously a lot closer for most of that game than the final score indicated. But, you know, the, the two interceptions, let's go back to those. I mean, the first one, uh, Wilson said that he saw Kevin King's back turn to him and he felt like he could zip a throw in there to Kevin King. And, and he said afterwards that, you know, in retrospect, that's a play where you've just got to, you got to take the three points. They were at the 12-yard line, I think. Uh, that's a short field goal. So instead of forcing that ball in the end zone on third down, you just take the field goal there. The other one I, was, I think, more galling to me just because that was first down. That was a deep throw into the end zone, I think, from Green Bay's 43 uh, and it was first down, and it was, you know, they were down 10-0 in the fourth quarter, and Wilson said part of his thought process there was, uh, you know, try to take a shot to get them back in the game, but it was 10-0. I mean, I know they hadn't scored any points yet, but that, it's not like that game was was totally out of hand, and so that was, I think, the more the more striking of the two decisions to me just because, you know, it's one thing to throw double coverage, throw sort th- of, you know, a 6-3, 6-4 receiver like DK Metcalf into double coverage. I mean, that's 5-10, Tyler Lockett. Um, you're throwing into double coverage and just a situation where I don't feel like he needed to take that risk. Let's talk about injuries, Brady. Dwayne Brown came out of the game, didn't return. What do you know about him? What do you know about anybody else that was banged up in that game? And then I'll graduate to Chris Carson. We don't know a whole lot about Dwayne Brown other than Pete Carroll saying it was a uh, groin strain. There was no word on the severity of it, but Brown, I think the injury was in the third quarter and he didn't come back in the game. It was Jermarco Jones the rest of the way, at least from what I saw. So that gives you an indication that it's something. And then I think the only other injury that... that was the only injury announced in the press box. I believe Ryan Neal was evaluated for a head injury late in the game. Don't really know what came of that, but those were the only two injuries uh, that Pete Carroll noted afterwards. What do we take from the fact that Chris Carson late in the week got ruled out? Do we say, okay, but he's getting closer, he's getting closer, maybe he'll face the Cardinals, he'll be in, in action against the Cardinals this coming week in a big game? Or should we be extra concerned that maybe he just can't go and he'll be shut down for the season with that neck injury. I think that is starting to, or it, it's not even started to, because that seems like that's been a concern for a few weeks now. But I, I do think that sounds like that's a possibility. And, you know, I thought it was interesting on his pregame radio hit, John Schneider was asked by Jen Mueller something to the effect of, how much confidence do you have or what's your level of confidence that Carson will eventually get back on the field this season? And he didn't really answer that part of the question. He just said it's a neck injury and it's something that they obviously have to be very, very careful with. He said it's going to be, um, you know, just based on how Carson is feeling and, and what the doctors say and all that. And so there was an opportunity there to quell the concerns and those concerns I don't think were quelled. And so, I, I, you know, obviously part of this is just the nature of the injury. It's a neck injury and you can understand why they don't want to uh, put him at any more risk. But it is somewhat encouraging that they gave it a go last week, but equally discouraging that after you know some physical contact there, it was just clear to them that he was not ready. Joe, are we now ready officially to conclude that the Seahawks' defense is much better? They contained Rodgers. He threw for 290 but didn't really hurt him. The running game for the Packers averaged in the threes. They only had one sack, and their third down defense wasn't good. They couldn't get off the field. 7 of 14, the Packers on third down. But this iteration of the cornerback seems to be playing better. Jamal Adams seems to be playing a little bit better and making more of an impact. 
now that we've seen them against Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and those guys, are we ready to say, okay, the Seahawks have turned the page, turned the corner defensively? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it, it would be wrong not to. The skepticism after strong games against the Jags and against the Steelers, that skepticism to me is warranted based on what we've seen for so much over the last two years. But this is one of the better offenses in football. And Aaron Rodgers is the reigning MVP. And Devontae Adams has absolutely destroyed them the last couple times they played. And he was limited to 78 yards. No one on that roster killed them today. I mean, everything was pretty contained. Like you mentioned, they had a hard time getting off the field. They gave up two long touchdown drives, one 11 plays for 62 yards, one 10 play, uh, 80 yard touchdown drive. That one, clearly the defense is gassed at that point. They've been on the field damn near the entire game. Time of possession is about as skewed as you'll ever see it. Basically two to one. Packers had almost 40 minutes worth of time of possession though. Seahawks just over 20. And I think it is uh, about time that we all give the Seahawks defense a bit of credit. Uh, are you encouraged that they threw the, uh, the ball to the tight ends? Yeah, it's good to see Gerald Everett get involved. I and mean, you're paying him enough money, he better be involved. But it's one of those things, okay, now Jared Everett get, Gerald Everett gets eight catches for 63 yards, but Tyler Lockett's nowhere to be seen. DK Metcalf has three catches for 26 yards. So it's like the, the deepest. We go, you're reaching extra hard to find a silver lining there if you're saying, hey, all good. Gerald Everett had eight catches for 63 yards. Ho-hum, really, at that point, because it was just so comprehensively bad um, otherwise. Well, one of those catches was on that pretty bad sequence at the end of the first half where they really bungled a scoring opportunity. And, you know, I understand Gerald Everett's desire to try to want to pick up some more yards, but what did they have? They had one timeout left and only less than a minute on the clock left. I, I thought he that was a regrettable mistake on his part by not getting out of bounds there as he was running toward the sideline. He instead tried to cut back upfield and just, you know, the extra one or two yards that you get there, it's just not worth having to use your final timeout. And then, uh, Damian Lewis got called for a holding penalty, which I did not see the replay here in the press box, but apparently that was a very iffy holding penalty. And from the looks of it, uh, you know, look, I'm not saying the Seahawks by any means lost, lost this game because of calls that didn't go their way, but there were a few that didn't go their way. I mean, that Kevin King interception, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to pretend like I know what the rule is uh, on no, what is a catch does. and whether it's, no one does. Whether it's no one different knows. for – yeah, and whether it's different for a defender, because if the offensive standard is applied to that, that you've got to maintain possession of the ball uh, as you hit the ground, well, he clearly did not do that. Um, you know, the other interesting one was the the Daryl Taylor, the, where he comes out of the pile with the ball. So Pete Carroll challenges it. Terrible. Um, that's one of those where, look, there's bodies flying around everywhere, and maybe they saw something that gave them a better look than anything that we had. And, you know, they, they did the, the call uh, stood upon review, but that was another interesting one. There, there was some, you know, false starts that it looked like Green Bay got away with. So, you know, you could go back and watch it, and maybe Seattle got away uh, with some calls no. too. But it, it did seem like there were a few calls that if I was the Seahawks, I might be a little bit upset by those. I'm telling you, there were about five or six of them. I was trying to avoid that subject, that topic for this, uh, this edition of the No Table. I just felt like nobody wants to hear his bitch and moan about the officiating. I'm telling you, it started right at the beginning of the first series that the Seahawks had the ball, a bad spot on a third down scramble from Russell Wilson, who, at least to my eye, clearly had the first down. I think they gave him the first down. Then they decided he didn't get the first down. And I don't know what Pete Carroll was doing. He should have 
challenged the spot on the field. It looked like clearly he got a first down. And from that point on, there were about five or six or seven really tough calls that went against the Seattle Seahawks. So I'm in complete. Not just tough calls, but in huge moments. Huge, huge. Cost him points, cost him possessions. The holding call cost him a chance at a field goal. The interception that wasn't cost him a, t- a chance at another field goal. And a t- I mean, they were, they were just a series of really, really questionable calls. But at the end of the day, I mean, what are you going to do? Did they play well enough to win? I don't know. And then I, I'll ask you before we do the work, before we do the taco time players of the game, and who was doing work, I don't know how you guys felt, but Joe, what did... What did Pete Carroll look like at the end of the game? They're, they're, they're down 10 nothing. There's three minutes to go in the game. The Packers have the ball inside the five-yard line. It's still a two-possession game. You've got three timeouts, and they show that cutaway of Pete Carroll just looking up at the scoreboard and letting the clock tick away with his three timeouts and not taking timeouts. What did that, that, that was a pathetic That was a pathetic-looking Pete Carroll right there. For my money, anyway. And yet they called timeout with 12 seconds left. I don't four seconds what the hell are they doing? What are they doing? Bizarre. <laughs> what are I, they I think doing? For Pete Carroll and his eternal optimistic outlook on football and life in general, I wouldn't be surprised if sitting there at Lambeau Field watching the Packers about to score, realizing that you're about to lose another game, his team's about to drop, fall to three and six. It's only human nature, even for, again, someone as optimistic as Pete Carroll, for the doubt to set into a degree of, this is bleak. And it is, because the offense didn't give you any sort of inspiration that this is about to click and turn around. And yes, you tip your cap to a Packers defense that has now gone six quarters without allowing a single point, almost 20 drives without allowing a touchdown. They had a very similar performance last week against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. So they're a really good group. But your offense is supposed to be a really good group. And you keep telling everybody that Russell Wilson's finger's fine. You've got these star players on the, on the outside, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, that you know people in Seattle, myself included at times last year, wanted to tout as maybe the best one-two punch at receiver in the league, or, or at least in the conversation. And that group should never get shut out against anybody taco time uh, presents the seahawks note table and this is the point of the show where the uh, the three of us have to find some optimism in an otherwise cloudy 17 to nothing loss to the green bay packers so the question and i'll start with joe fan joe joey vegas who was doing work for the seahawks against the packers it's got to be on the defensive side i would imagine yeah i'll go with my guy mr jamal Mr. Jamal had a great okay. game. Uh, 11 tackles, his first interception. It was pretty wild to see Aaron Rodgers potentially one-up Russell Wilson's terrible decision uh, and an awful interception yeah. in the end zone. Yeah. Uh, but he served one up for Jamal Adams, and Jamal made the play. Um, I do think he's been better of late. You know, Has he been someone that you say, gosh, that guy's worth $17 million? Probably not. But the reality is, is he's playing good football, and this might be what – Seahawks fans should expect from him moving forward. The pass rush isn't there, but at least he's been around the ball. He's been very active. Uh, and now he got his hands on the football, got a takeaway. Good for him. I'm sure even with the outcome of the game, it's a little bit of a, a, a monkey off of his back, so to speak, given how much attention is on his inability to, to get a takeaway. And obviously everyone remembers the, the, the pass that bounced off his face. I think that was a, a bigger <laughs> moment for Jamal Adams than he would ever let on publicly. So Jamal Adams was what, Joe? He was doing work. He was doing work. 
for Taco He's Time. doing work. I'll take Jordan Brooks. Who do you got, Brady? I'm going to take Rasheem Green. And, uh, yeah, I'll take Rasheem Green. He had the Seahawks' only sack, a couple hits of Aaron Rodgers. And I believe that on the interception that he he was about to take Rodgers down or he was bearing down on him. So it certainly was a factor on that play. And, um, yeah, we're, just, we're still waiting on this Seahawks pass rush to, to get going. We've been talking about it for Forget much it. of the season. Forget uh, it. It just has not been there. And I think this was a game where maybe you could chalk some of it up to the fact that Aaron Rodgers has got the quickest release in the NFL. And he, he scrambled out of a lot of pressure in this game. And I was impressed by, at 37 years old, you know, coming off the layoff, coming off COVID, he looked pretty spry. And I know in his post-game comments, he talked about how tired he was. But I think I think the pass rush was maybe a little bit better again than some of those numbers suggest. But uh, and Rasheem Green was part of that. And I'll take Jordan. I have a couple more. Yeah. I think there's some some honorable. You know, this defensive performance I think was really impressive. I think it's worth mentioning that. Trey Brown and DJ Reed have been playing pretty darn good football. I think DJ Reed's been a different player since moving back to the right side of the defense, which is where he was predominantly in 2020. Uh, and, and Trey Brown had another nice pass breakup, again, showing the speed and physicality that, that makes him seem like a fun player that, that could be really a piece moving forward on this defense. So um, a number of guys to pick from. Uh, Carlos Dunlap showed off his arm strength with the toss of the shoe. Uh, he was doing work. Um, lots of names to pick from on the defensive side of the football. I mean, I mean, it was funny, but that was a massive penalty. Yeah, gave him a first. That would have been third and second. Yeah, third so and second dumb. near midfield. Third and, and second. Instead of third, third, third and second. Third and two, I believe, is the way it's usually phrased. Third and two. <laughs> uh, and instead, he, they, that gives them 15 yards. I mean, you've got to know. Uh, like, I, I get with some of these taunting penalties that there's an adjustment there where you're used to doing something, yeah. celebrating, and now all of a sudden it's a penalty. But, like, you have got to know that throwing somebody's shoe – uh, chucking it like 20 yards, you have got to know that that's going to be a penalty. Jordan Brooks was doing work, guys. He was in on a lot of tackles. He was in the backfield. He even made some some real good plays and pass coverage, I thought. A couple of two, three plays where he was back there doing a good job against a wide receiver. Jordan Brooks is my taco time player of the game. Now, as we finish up, Joe... Every time I turn on a Cardinals game, I expect Kyler Murray to play again on Sunday. He doesn't play. They get wiped out at home by the Carolina Panthers. I know that we'll talk a lot about this game when we meet for patrons during the course of the week, the Seahawks note table. But just give us a, a brief comment. Is this game now looking more and more? I know the Seahawks are 3-6, and six and it sounds funny, but is this a more... <laughs> More and more winnable game than maybe we would have thought two or three weeks ago? You can't say that at this point. Not until we know whether or not uh, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins are playing. Okay. Really, Kyler Murray. They have yeah. enough offensive skill players to burn you regardless. If, if Colt McCoy plays, although Colt McCoy beat him last year when he was with the Giants. Yeah. Uh, so he certainly feels comfortable at Lumen Field. Uh, I'm looking, Sorry, I'm looking up Carlos Dunlap's stats on the season. He's got more shoe tosses than he does sacks. He's got a half sure a sack does. and one full shoe toss. So... That's not ideal. Brady, what is a good ratio, shoe tosses to sacks? What would be considered sabermetrics-wise a good number, a good ratio? I think something in the neighborhood of 13 to 0, <laughs> sacks to shoe tosses. <laughs> That's a good answer. Uh, Brady Henderson, who, who remains, Brady Henderson, who remains in Green Bay 
Wisconsin. Safe travels home, Brady. Thank you. I'm, I'm driving 30 minutes back to Appleton and then uh, two hours back to Milwaukee in the snow. And I've oh. got this like Steve Urkel sized rental car. So Ooh. pray for me, everybody. And Joey fan, Joey Vegas, Joey golf tournament. Hang in there, Joey. 8694 isn't all that bad. Or 84. Was it 8494? 8494? 8694. 8694. Not bad. Not bad for your uh, first time. I out. appreciate it. Brady, that gives me nightmares of the uh the long trip we had uh the playoffs two years ago to Green Bay when it was snowing and we did the, the midnight run to Chicago. I don't know if you were on that that group with me or not but that was a long day i don't envy you trying to get home from green bay right now uh godspeed sir and thanks mitch for having us as always thank you my friend all righty it's been too long way too long since we got a little update on the new kirkland branch of cross country mortgage j flow Jordan Flowers is in the house. Jay Flo, how's the transition gone to cross country? Hey, it's good to be back. It's been a great transition. Thanks for having me back on. I didn't know if you were still doing <laughs> these or what. I don't know, but <laughs> it's been a phenomenal transition. It's been great. I got to give a special shout out. You got listeners everywhere, Mitch. And the gentleman that is the area manager for the space we've been in Bellevue, his name's Alfred Northcutt. He came up and talked to me getting coffee in this space the other day. He's a big fan. And big nice. listener and he's been phenomenal to work with here so alfred thank you appreciate Tr- all tremendous. you've done for us throw some numbers at us jordan 30-year fixed refinance opportunities how's the selling market i understand you personally went through the sale and purchase of a new home i'm assuming cross-country mortgage handled that <laughs> cross-country did handle it and did a phenomenal job thank you cross-country uh, <laughs> we did sale it was a great sale phenomenal sale and we are moving into our new house here soon 30-year fixed rates conventional conforming 30-year fixes at three to three three seven five depending on credit and purchase versus refi or cash out people are still looking to do home improvements what have you there um, some are still calling in lower in the interest rates. So low threes right now with the conventional 30-year and then jumbo rates, loan amounts higher than 748 right now are kind of high twos, 275 to 3%. And cross country's always been a leader in new construction packages available. That's right. We talked about it a little bit last time and I've gotten several phone calls with listeners, but yes, we are a market leader with custom construction builds and love talking to everybody that's calling in about it. And how do we call in? How do we contact the new Kirkland office of Cross Country Mortgage? You can always text and call me on my cell phone, 425-890-2957, or you can email me and the team all at once at teamflowers at myccmortgage.com. Nice. You've got the name, you've got the number, the new Kirkland office of Cross Country Mortgage, terrific partners and sponsors of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. Now he'll run it with a block. Splits. Bohannon. Touchdown, Baylor. First down of the 10. White. Room. Touchdown, Arizona State. There goes Cardwell. Straight up the middle of the It's time for our weekly chat. Well, kind of a weekly chat. We haven't spoken in two weeks with CBS College football analyst and former coach of the dogs, Rick Neuheisel, presented by Taco Time 
NW looking for a few good men and women. TacoTimeNW.com slash careers. All it takes is a 20-minute Zoom interview. Rick Neuheisel, how do we find you in New York? I am well. We had a little bit of a cold spell, but uh, all is well. And uh, we're rounding down down the stretch here, Mitch, uh, with the college football season. uh, Getting exciting. Well, since it's been a few weeks, I'm going to hold off skewering you for the the Alabama-Georgia parlay that I took to Vegas with me in our off time. We'll we'll bring that back up at the end, but I think what we have to start with, the obvious starting spot, would be the decision at the University of Washington uh, to dismiss Jimmy Lake, Jen Cohen, after being suspended he was for the one game. There's been an additional allegation of a physical confrontation before Jimmy uh, became head coach at Washington. The offensive coordinator had already been let go. Another loss the other night to Arizona State. So just a sad state of affairs, Rick, in Montlake. Yeah, very disappointing. And uh, very disappointing that Jimmy's not going to get to uh, continue as the head coach at uh, Washington. We all understand as coaches that uh, you have to win, that you have to be successful and you have to run on a clean program and do everything as close to the right way as is humanly possible. Uh, I had hoped that the suspension would be enough to remind Jimmy that no matter what the cause, what the purpose, you can't put your hands on players. You can't uh, be caught in that circumstance and you can't uh, allow that to happen to you or any of your assistants. And I thought Jen had acted appropriately uh, when making him sit for a week. The loss to Arizona State, obviously troubling and disappointing, but allegations that this had happened in the past obviously have made this a decision that uh, she thinks is necessary now. I guess I guess my uh, other than for Jimmy personally, I'm also concerned about the profession in that now we have 10 coaches, Mitch, that have been fired before we even got to the penultimate week of the season, right? We, we, we've got two more games left to play, and we've had 10 guys showing the door. Right. No telling how many more will be uh, asked to take a step elsewhere uh, here in the coming weeks. But, but this is alarming, and it, we want it, and we want it now is the culture we're living in. What was Rick Neuheisel's reaction when you saw – the incident in the Oregon game on the sidelines between Jimmy Lake and a player that he was trying to get off the field, as he says. Uh, A a bridge too far. You know, he'd gone too far. It was clear that he was trying to make sure that his player wasn't going to be involved in any uh, altercation, trying to save the day. I've been on a field when, you know, fight broke up and you're trying to separate people. But upon separating people, it's clear with the video that he pushed him in the back, that he was still very, very uh, upset with the young man and uh, felt a need to be aggressive. And you just can't do that. Now, listen, there will be a bunch of people who would come on here and say the old school guys, you know, without phones, without the video, would have done that and not thought twice about it. And maybe that's right, but we're not old school. We're, we're in today's day and age, and it's just not appropriate. Rick, had there not been the altercation on the sideline, had there not be the alleged incident a couple of years back, this would still have been a program in somewhat of disarray, and there'd be a lot of people saying that Jen Cohen and the athletic department had no choice, but even without those incidents, to move in a different direction. It almost sounds to me like you don't agree with that, that Jimmy should have been given more time had there not been these problems. Well, I go back just to 
13 games ago. I mean, he was the head coach for 13 games. 13 games ago, we thought we had the cat's meow. We thought we had a young, uh, bright guy that had been so brilliant as the defensive coordinator there for Chris Peterson. Chris Peterson had himself said this guy has the chops to be uh, a great head coach. Uh, and I think because of that, there would have been ample reason to give him another offensive coordinator, give him a chance at another way of doing things on the, that side of the ball. And obviously the troubles on the field accompanied with the troubles now away from the field have made it too, uh, too steep a hill for Jen Cohen to climb. So she's going in another direction. Well, that's the next question, and maybe this is out of your jurisdiction. Maybe you would say, Mitch, this isn't a fair question for me. I'm all the way in New York in the, in the CBS studios half the time. The, the next question that's been very loud out here is, does Jen Cohen deserve the opportunity to decide who the next head coach is. It's obviously more than just football, although football is one, two, and three on the list. There's a basketball program that's really struggling in the last few years. Do you have any thoughts about that? Well, I'm so, this. I, I know Jen from way back, and and uh, I'm fond of her. There's no question that she's got the personality to do the job because uh, she's a people person. Uh, but like everybody in in employment situations now you got to produce and uh it's fair to analyze you know what have been the results during her tenure a lot has happened the world of college athletics are changing right before our eyes and you have to be nimble enough to change with them and all that's got to be on her plate as she figures out how best to proceed if given the opportunity to uh to make those choices uh, because everything is much different than it was just five, six, seven years ago. Heck, within the last two years, things have changed. Storylines from this past weekend in the world of college football. Let's start um, outside of the Washington program with Oklahoma. I think that would be a good starting spot. Uh, Oklahoma goes down. I'm not sure why they were so deep on the polls. I think they were eighth going into the week to begin with undefeated. Um, let's also begin with the Baylor coach calling timeout, sending his kicker on the field to get three more. He says, I, I look, this is, this is the way the, this is the way the tiebreakers tie go, go in the big 12 yeah. Lincoln Riley, I think said this goes against the code of sportsmanship. I would have never done that regardless of the tiebreaker. Where are you on that, on that issue of getting three extra for Baylor? Well, Baylor fans will say it went against the code when you went off to the SEC, too. <laughs> <laughs> they would say that broke the Big 12 code, if yeah. you really want to know code. Uh, <laughs> listen, Dave Aranda, you know, is one of those guys that analyzed the, the book and said, look, at tiebreakers, and he's trying to get to that Big 12 championship game. The third tiebreaker when you're in a three-team deal is is point differential. And if that be the case, then it's wise for him to kick the field goal. I think it it behooves every conference now to look at their tiebreakers and say, <laughs> we don't want that to be part of our tiebreaking deal. Let's do a coin flip of something. Let's not have point differential because this is going to create some ugly atmospheres and break the code, as Lincoln has said. Lincoln, Lincoln needs to block better and tackle better uh, and worry about that because Oklahoma was flat, and which is the reason they were number eight in the poll, despite being undefeated. They're near miss against Kansas. They're near miss against uh, uh, West Virginia. They're near miss against Nebraska have all come home to roost. Okay. 
So here we are with the the college football playoff rankings that will be updated this week, this coming week. I'm imagining there'll be very little change because you'd have, at least with the top four, you have Georgia, you have Alabama, you have Oregon, you have Ohio State that all won comfortably. And then there's Cincinnati, Michigan, Michigan State, Notre Dame. I guess my question is, we're all assuming that Georgia still has the right to lose one especially in the SEC championship game and still fit in the top four. Can Alabama, let's assume Alabama beats Arkansas and Auburn on the way to the SEC championship game and loses close to Georgia. Is Alabama entitled? And you're going to tell me, well, Mitch, tell me, tell me what else happens to the other teams. That's probably the fair answer. But, but does Alabama or ha- can Alabama afford to lose a second game in the SEC championship game? It's risky, but I still think there's a path for them Uh, because I think the committee, by the virtue of putting them in the number two hole uh, since they reconvened, has said that they're a really good team. And given the scenario that you pointed out, which is a close loss to Georgia in an SEC championship game, I think the committee would say they are absolutely one of the best four teams. Now, that's going to rankle the team who ends up fifth, but uh, I can see that happening. The question then is, do they go to the four hole and play Georgia again in a rematch? And how fair is that to Georgia? I can hear that conversation happening in those uh, uh, beautiful confines in Dallas. So Cincinnati, you're going to stand by your, your <laughs> you're going to stand by your initial word. Although you said that Cincinnati would be rated or ranked number four in the initial poll, you were wrong about that. But you have been. You have, I been was. Sted, you have been steadfast in Cincinnati can win them all and it's going to take a miracle for Cincinnati to still get in. They're, they're only fifth, but but you would figure that if Ohio State gets jumped because they lose to Michigan or Michigan State, then that team would then, in essence, jump Cincinnati for the playoff spot, right? So I, I, how does Cincinnati get in, Rick Nuazzo, don't don't they? I still think they're going to be outside looking in, but their chances are improving. Uh, because of the Oklahoma loss. The Oklahoma loss to me might have eliminated everybody from the Big 12. And so if everybody's out in the Big 12, then now they have to worry about Oregon. Oregon likely is going to have to play Utah twice, and that's going to be difficult given Cam Rising's uh, rise to uh, uh, stature there as the quarterback for the Utes. Uh, I think that uh, Ohio State has a gauntlet with Michigan State and Michigan still to play. Uh, Wisconsin is trending in the right way. So that would be a formidable game for whomever comes out of the East. Uh, So there's lots of places for Cincinnati to kind of be standing there and fall into this. Uh, But I think I, and I will go back to your previous question, Cincinnati undefeated or Alabama with two losses, Alabama still goes over Cincinnati. Why is Michigan ranked ahead of Michigan state, Rick? Somebody had an appointment. They had to leave (laughs) that committee early. That just was nonsensical. Oh, God. You can't do what you did with Oregon and, and Ohio State and did what you do with uh, Purdue and uh, Iowa behind uh, Wisconsin and then just forget that there was a game between Michigan and Michigan State. You just can't do that. I don't know who was clam- you know, who didn't get enough attention as a child. I don't know. But but somebody needed to be at a meeting and just left before harping on it. I, I got to go. So do whatever you want to do. It'll be interesting to see if they stay there this week because uh, Michigan State was impressive this last weekend. Yeah. 
Sark and Texas. Lo- oh, my. Lose at home to Kansas, who couldn't beat you, me, and the crew that you have at CBS in the studio show uh, on a two-point conversion, 57 to 56. I think Texas is now something like four and six this season. Is it way too early to start hearing second-guessing and whispering about Steve Sarkeesian's appointment uh, as head coach of Texas? Well, there's going to be that whether we think it's too early or not. That's just going to happen. Sark, to me, personality-wise, fits better as a play caller than as the head coach, as the guy that's you know responsible for making sure everybody's towing the line. He's, he's a guy that would rather be on a whiteboard, you know, drawing ball plays and watching film than taking care of all the little stuff that goes in to being the head coach and making sure people are toeing the line. Listen, he's not the first head coach at Texas to inherit an entitled group. A bunch of guys that have been, you know, pampered and and uh, yeah, have been always the, you know, the A-list kind of crew in the state of Texas, and that's why they come to Texas. So it's not an abnormal place for them to be in a mediocre type of season. But for Sark to do all the little things that are going to be required to dig out of this, yeah. I'm not sure that's his personality. I'm not wow. sure he's a real detail-oriented guy wow. when it comes to personal behavior as opposed to you know just calling plays. And I'm not taking shots at him. We'll wait and see. But uh, the other stops along the way, I think, had similar concerns. We had a 62-yard field goal to win it at the buzzer uh, for Texas Tech to beat Iowa State. We had a Hail Mary, and I was I was thinking about Hail Marys before we started our chat. South Dakota beat South the Dakota Coyotes State. Coyotes over the Jackrabbits. That's yes. right. On a Hail Mary, must have been 55 or 60 yards, deflected up in the air. And I thought, you know, I, I don't know that I've ever asked Neuheisel about his, his record or history, either as a player, as a quarterback, as a coach, as a winner, as a loser, with the old Hail Mary play. Do you have any kind of history? Even in the USFL, did the, San have, did the San Antonio Gunslingers ever win a game on a Hail Mary? That's what I want to know. We did not win a game. I threw one for a touchdown against the old Baltimore Stars uh, <laughs> in College Park, Maryland. Did you? So I have that on Tom Brady. I heard Tom Brady has never thrown a touchdown on a Hail Mary. So I feel like <laughs> I've won up the, the, the goat, right? Yeah. Goat my you-know-what, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but I am I am a part of one of the greatest Hail Marys of all time, oh. that being the Colorado oh. Hail Mary at Michigan. Sure. Mitch, I was there on the sideline. I was m- maybe my third or fourth game as, uh, as a coach there with Bill McCartney. And – we were down. Cordell Stewart had fumbled on the one yard line going in. And I came over there and they didn't know this about me, but I said, we're going to, this is going to be the greatest comeback in the history of college football. <laughs> I used to do this all the time at UCLA uh-huh. and never turned out, but I would say that that's the kind of hope we have. They didn't know I did that. Uh-huh. And so they're sitting there, you know, everybody in the newspaper saying new kept saying it was going to happen. <laughs> so we basically got the ball back and I had the draw up on the sideline, a play to gain like 20 yards because we needed to get in position to throw one into the end zone. And uh, we, we just called it rocket left Michael and Westbrook caught the ball on a, on an in route. 
I said, Michael, you cannot run with the ball. You got to slide after you do it so we can throw it in the dirt and then have our time to uh, execute the final play, which is exactly what happened. Now, what's um, you, unbelievable about that Hail Mary is that we actually ran a Hail Mary at halftime against Michigan. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, all of the three receivers who were lined up as they were for the final play of the game to our left, and they all were running down trying to take outside releases. But Ray Carruth, who was the furthest away from the quarterback, went inside, and he and Michael tripped each other. He and Westbrook tripped each other, and Ty Law intercepted the ball down on the goal line. Okay. So I said at halftime, and I'm sure it's the only Hail Mary correction (laughs) ever performed (laughs) at a halftime. I said to the guys as we were waiting for Bill McCartney to make his final statements before leaving, hey, if we get this again, (laughs) we're going to switch release it. We're going to take Westbrook around the outside, and Ray, you're going to come inside, Uh and we'll get down the field clean that way. Uh Well, lo and behold, just a little while later – there it was. Cordell th- Stewart threw the ball 73 yards in the air. Wow. It was like watching a uh, perfect sand wedge just coming in <laughs> to the to the pin. You just go, go in. Go in. And it landed right on the goal line. Be good. Up in the air. Westbrook with it. And the rest, Keith Jackson saying, <laughs> he's got it. And the rest is history. Oh, I didn't, I didn't ever put two and two together and have you on that staff. We all remember that uh, that Hail Mary, would, one of the great Hail Marys I was there. in college football history. As a matter God. of fact, as a matter of fact, it led to Michigan State wondering if I would have the chops to be their next head coach because Perlis was going to step down. And it rankled our offensive coordinator such, but it got my name in the paper as a head coaching candidate. And when, and when uh, Bill McCartney stepped down at the end of the year, yeah. There I was, the next head coach at Colorado. So do I know anything about Hail Marys? Oh, yes, I do. Woo-hoo-hoo! Do you know? The, the question is, all right, so you know a lot about Hail Marys, but I'm assuming you don't know too many things about screen passes to offensive linemen and tackle eligible. Now, on Thursday night, you had to have seen it on Thursday night in the NFL. <laughs> We saw the Dolphins' offensive line. You don't think that was planned? (laughs) (laughs) We saw the – well, as far as he was concerned, it was planned because he took it in the most natural way, all 340 pounds of him. God God love him, and made a guy miss and then reached over the Get that guy an 80 number. (laughs) Get that guy an 80 number. But I'll have you know, and you may not even know this, that the Rutgers team two days later pulled an offensive lineman, made him eligible – and then rolled the quarterback to his right and threw back a screen pass to his left to the offensive lineman of Rutgers who ran it in for a touchdown. So we did have a screen pass to an offensive line. There you have it. <laughs> we had that play in our offense. It's whenever you roll to your right as your weak side tackle, as long as he's the end man on the line, yes, you can basically peel him back. And as long as you throw it as a lateral, he is eligible to run it in. Amazing. Yep. Amazing. We've come to the end. Now, oh, Rick, I flew to Vegas to change my luck. I thought, you know, Rick's not doing the job for me at the Snoqualmie Casino. So maybe he can send me to Vegas with some advice. And you gave me Georgia and Alabama a couple weeks ago. Neither one of them. I went 0 for 2 on my parlay, and they all chuckled at me in, <laughs> in Las Vegas. Moving, I think, New Heisel's record this year 
to 1-10 and 10 against the spread. And I understand that before you give us the pick this week, which is going to st- get us back on track, I hope, you have some you have 100%. <laughs> you have prepared. I have decided yes. I have decided to yes. to stop this this criticism that you keep just showering me with. Yes. I have decided to stop it with song. Oh, with song. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> with song. Ah. This is uh Chris Christopherson singing <laughs> Good Time Charlie's Got the Blues. Only this time, it's Good Time Ricky. <laughs> Every week has been the same. Can't find a way to win a game. Folks so desperate for victory. <laughs> Fading me has been the key. <laughs> I had a beat on Georgia Tech. <laughs> they lost by 30. What the heck? <laughs> it was a lock with NC State. Mike Leach's bulldog sealed my fate. <laughs> Some got to win, some got to lose. Good time, Ricky's got the blues. <laughs> Mitch has made me feel ashamed. Oh, no. He recites every losing <laughs> game. Each week I fall upon the sword. He says top ramen is all he can afford. (laughs) For most, the pain would be too much. But I don't need that sympathetic crutch. I will rise and fight again. Just stick with me, gang, and we'll win. (laughs) Some got to win, some got to lose. Good time, Ricky's got the blues. (laughs) Big finish. Taco time has stuck with me. We'll take UCLA and lay the three. He incorporated the pick. The pick. Well, I don't even know who UCLA's playing. Who's UCLA playing? Who we? They got the Trojans. Okay. The, 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 the victory oh. bell. It's oh. the city championship. Already, already, it's already here. UCLA yeah. and USC. All right. It's already here. And that's the official New Heisel pick? That's the official pick. You, UCLA is going to take down USC this weekend. This isn't just Play a, the three. This just this isn't just a Homer, the Bruin, and Ricky New Heisel is coming out now. Just because it rhymed? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. It's actually UCLA is going to win this game. Okay. Got it. I'm I'm set. I'm I'm taking a a load of uh 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 not, I was going to say a, um, a briefcase, but not a briefcase. I'm taking a trunk, a trunk. 
a trunk a full satchel. of cash. A, a satchel. A satchel full of a cash truck. to the uh, Snoqualmie Casino. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Neuheisel, <laughs> presented by Taco Time. We even got into the song, Taco Time Northwest. We'll talk to you next week at this time. How about that? Go Bruins. Thank you, Mitch. Hey, let's catch up with Dan Black, the president of Zeke's Pizza. Dan, what's this I'm hearing about? Boys trips to Wrigley Field, Soldier Field, the big house at uh, Ann Arbor. What happened? Yep, I'm doing my homework for you this fall, Mitch. I did a bunch of sports stuff. I went to yeah, I went to Wrigley, saw the Cardinals play the Cubs, saw Notre Dame, Wisconsin, and Soldier Field in Chicago. That was cool, but the big house was a treat too. Went and saw the Huskies play. News for you: Huskies aren't very good. Uh, that's what your listeners are here for: is a bunch of Captain Obvious sports analysis from the pizza guy. Yeah. What was the best fan experience of the three? The Big House was really cool. I had been to Wrigley Field and Soldier Field before, and so the Big House was new, and it it lived up to the billing for sure. Fall means football season. Tell me about the Black family go-to order. Does it change? In the fall? Yeah, you know, we we get a lot of pizza delivered this time of year for football games, like most people, and we, we do the Zeke's football pies. We do Legion of Shroom and Beast Mode. They're both really good. Nice. And how about a beer that you've been downing recently? Yeah, you know, it's fresh hop season, and we've talked about those before, so they're harvesting hops down in Yakima this time of year, and so a lot of the brewers do fresh hop, particularly IPAs, and we got fresh hop versions of two of the famous Zeke's beers going right now, so I've been ordering Zeke and Destroy and Lateral A. Both are really good. Nice. Download the Zeke's pizza app the levy family's been using the heck out of the zeke's pizza app lately and get some fresh pizza some great beer some salads delivered right to your door zeke's pizza continues to be a great partner of mitch unfiltered homegrown in the northwest unfiltered coaches there is getting his players back. It's just one of those oh, things. And right here, you look at Jimmy Lake. He's a hit. Oh. He's making sure that his guys stay back. Oh, wow. This is on me. That team played harder than us in the first part of the game. They played harder than us. And that's unacceptable. They played harder. There was loose balls. We didn't get them. They got them. We got to do it from the get-go. They gotta, we got to be tougher. We weren't tough enough from the beginning of the game. On our home court, not acceptable. Episode 166, we've moved him, we've shoved him to the big time. He's now on the main show, the free show, the freebie show. Every Now you now you better be good. You got the beard going. <laughs> I'm looking at you on Zoom. For those of you that don't don't see Danny O'Neill like I do, you've got a you've got a beard going that makes you look not 20 anymore, Danny O'Neill. No. No, I'm, I'm, I'm all of 46 now. I might have aged even a little bit more. I'm not an expert when it comes to uh, career trajectory, but it tends to be when you go from the paid, the paid level to the free level, that that's not necessarily a step up in things. That's not necessarily a step up, Mitch. I'm a little worried here about how things are going. We actually find you not in New York. You, I'm in Seattle. You decided, hey, no, no, no. If there's going to be lots of change in the athletic department at the University of Washington, I got to be there for that. They've got to check with me. And I don't mean a, a phone call from Jen Cohen to, to me in New York. You've got to be you've got to be in the Pacific Northwest where all the action is, right? Yes. And the reason I came back, I want you to feel bad for this fellow because uh, I came back specifically this weekend. One of my dearest friends in the world, a man who I went to college with. He lived in the dorm room, two dorms down. I then lived in an apartment with him. We were one of five and then four in an apartment. 
And then we rented a house together for two years. One of at times six, seven, eight dudes living in this house on 15th Avenue, Northeast, both graduated from the University of Washington. He's been out of the country for the past 10 years. He's lived in Papua, Indonesia, then Jakarta, Indonesia. Most recently in Luxembourg, he returned to the States and this was his first Husky game oh. back in. He couldn't remember the last Husky game he went to. My beloved friend, Chris Porter, was reintroduced to Husky football through that monstrosity on Saturday night. I'm just happy that Chris Porter is still with us because I thought you set that up as if we were going down a completely different path, that you were here for a funeral or here to, to mourn a loss of a friend. Well, Oh, that, that, that Husky oh, football oh. killed my friend? <laughs> no. Not, be, not beyond the pale of possibility, no. given, no. given the, cadaverous, the cadaverous efforts of, of, this, of this team. The kind of pessimistic guy, I guess I am. I just, I, I saw that going in a different direction, and I'm <laughs> no. I'm we had a great, glad. we had a great weekend. Okay. Lola was open. We okay. went to serious pie. It was fantastic, and then we went to the football game. Okay, so the last time you were here, which was last week, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Lake was the coach. John Donovan was the offensive coordinator, and the Huskies had two less losses than they have now. A week and a half or eight days later, John Donovan is out of a job. Jimmy Lake has been suspended and now is out of a job. And now we're wondering whether Jen Cohen is going to be allowed to make the next decision on a, on a, what is a guy that's a UW that, that flies around the country to see his beloved Huskies play? What, what does a guy like you think about all this? I've reached the point of self-loathing. Like there are, there are tears of fandom and I am firmly in that. Usually when Washington loses to Oregon, I have a fair amount of experience with that reality. Um, 15 to the last 17. I'm furious at Oregon fans. I call them bumpkins. I insult their (laughs) lack of history. I do just a general, like you guys are nouveau riche, smell like new money. I wasn't even mad at him this time. There's Oregon fans singing on my light rail. And you know what I'm thinking? You should. Our, Our coach is an idiot. He doesn't know how to count. He insults academic prowess without correct grammar, like all of these different things. And Saturday night, like I want to give the team credit because I think they came out and they played a really good first quarter. Oh, like that, that was they looked really good. Great. They look great. And then I think you saw some realities about not so much the level of talent, but the way that this team has been shaped. And it shouldn't surprise anyone what happened over the final three quarters of that game from the lack of defensive adjustments when it was apparent that Arizona State was not going to throw the ball yet. There's still only six defenders in the box inexplicably to the offense being a no show for the final three quarters. And sometimes you get losses you deserve. The University of Washington football program deserved every ounce of that loss on Saturday night. And I, I do think if people think that the problem here is something that is going to be fit, fixed just by switching head coaches, I do think that there needs to be a longer conversation about how we've gotten to this point. And it, it looks like they're trying to fire Jimmy Lake for cause like that. That would be from the outside. And I don't really care about the financial resolution and how much of that money he gets. But I do feel that part of this positioning on the part of UW is to minimize the blame that goes on the current athletic director and the current administration. And I think that's wrong. Like, I, I think, I, I think that that administration needs to be, I think, I don't think Jen Cohen should pick the next football coach. 
And if, if we're sliding and just moving seamlessly into that direction, I want to stop and raise my hands and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Let's look at the state of the two revenue generating sports. But beyond that, what's the compelling argument that she's done a good job over these past, what is it, six years? Like, what are you going to bring to me? The women's basketball program? Because I don't think anybody expects that to be, have taken a step step forward. And yeah, softball has been really, really successful. What's the compelling argument here for, for what's the happened? Basket- Jimmy- the women's, women's basketball program is terrible under her yeah. direction. Yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah. not been good at all. They beat, no. they beat, they, not- they, they won their first game. They're 1-0. Okay. They're 1-0. How, how, right. how the men's team do their first game? <laughs> oh, God. Right? I'll say this. Last year... As soon as I saw that team, I I knew it had no chance to be successful. I don't have the same initial knee-jerk reaction. I think they've got some talent. I think they shot exceptionally poorly. I'm going to leave open the door that that is an acceptable team. But it is a terrible start to a year in which, if you're telling me he is a bottom third of the Pac-12 team after, after the past two years, no thank you on continuing with him either. And it's a terrible start in that direction. Okay, you just said that, uh, and I agree with you, that Jen Cohn, and we, I think we both like Jen Cohn personally. Yep. She was a great credit to the athletic department for a lot of years, and if she would be willing to step back into her previous role that she did so well all those years, I think that Washington would be thrilled and, and would be silly not to have her. Now, the reason, one of the reasons you fire a head football coach at this stage of a season is it allows you, it frees you up to start looking at the next candidates to start going, and it doesn't have to be behind closed doors because you don't have you don't have that you don't have that coach there. You've already you've moved in the opposite direction. So what are we doing? Are we firing the athletic director this week, or are we going to pretend? Let's assume the university decides she's not. She agree, they agree with you. It agrees with you, and it's, they're not going to let Jen Cohen make the next head coaching hire. But they're not ready to fire her until the end of the year because that won't look very good. Are they going to not start the search for a new head coach? I mean, this is a big mess that I don't yes. I don't know how to unravel. Maybe you can unravel it for me. How does this work? Are we going to ask what should or what what will? Because they're different questions. Answer them both. What should happen is that Jen Cohen should be removed as athletic director. Right now. Yes. That that should happen next. And or an announcement that there's going to be someone hired in that place. There should be a signal sent, whether it is a personnel change or in a creation of a position that Jen Cohen won't pick the next football coach. That's what should happen. And you should then proceed with, okay, who is going to be the next athletic director and getting them on board? Like that should be that that should be a conversation that should already be underway. What That's will, what should happen. What will happen? I don't think they'll make a change immediately. I'm not sure they will make a change at athletic director. And I think it's very possible that we'll see things move over the next few weeks and months as if Washington is going to hire a new head coach. I don't know if they'll get to the point of hiring that head coach because that usually wouldn't happen until December. And then either she will be able to hire the head football coach or they're going to say that they're going to change athletic directors and announce a structural shift. And then Washington will start looking for a head football coach at the same time. Everybody else. Oh boy. Which one of those is going to happen? I don't think she's getting fired. You, I don't think she's you, getting replaced. You think she's hand selecting the next head coach. 
there might be more input from different people and she might be part of a, a committee, but I think she's the athletic director who, who selects the next, she will introduce, she's going to be on the podium introducing your next football coach, maybe along with the, the president. That's what I think will happen. That's not what I think should happen. Wow. How do we get here? My goodness, the depths uh, to which the Washington football program has fallen in the last um, year and a half is just, uh, it's just almost unbelievable. 18 months is what we're talking about here. All right, Danny O'Neill. Danny O'Neill, before you leave us on episode 166, you also got a chance sitting in your, your former hometown or your former town to watch on TV the return of Russell Wilson to Green Bay, the return of Russell Wilson from injury. And I don't think that there's any level-headed person having watched those three hours of football that wouldn't conclude that he wasn't ready yet, that maybe another week would have done him just fine. And may, I, I'm not saying they would have won, but I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm of the distinct opinion that Geno Smith probably would have given them a better chance on Sunday against the Packers. Agree or disagree? Agree, but I don't mind the fact that he played. Okay. Like, I, I don't think you're wrong. But he's your franchise quarterback, and he was ready to play, so he plays. Of course. And of course. if that yeah. if that was if that was what he wanted to do, I'm okay because I don't think they beat him with Geno Smith okay. and being more respectable as opposed to laying a goose egg for the first time in the Russell Wilson era. That's not as important. You let him play, and he's going to be ready when he's ready. I don't think he set himself back. If no, if no, if that would no. if that would because. That would be a legitimate, like, hey, yeah. if you wait till yeah. next week and you get him at 80% and now he's going to go from being at 60% to 55%, then you've made a huge mistake. Okay. I don't think that's the case. Okay. But yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with your contention that Geno Smith gives him a better shot to win. So, 17 nothing Was that the way it ended? <laughs> yes. What's happened? What's, what's, I feel like we're back in 2008, Mitch. 0-12 <laughs> Huskies. Holmgren in his final season. You remember how sad that was? They were throwing like, snowballs at him. At the, on the... <laughs> how close that was to a horror show. Oh. Owen Schmidt is bashing. Oh, I guess that was the next year <laughs> Schmidt was doing that. Oh. The, the, the low point, there's, there are, I have some regrets in, in over the, the career or the thing that I've had. The one regret that I had is that every week of that 2008 football season, I did not ask Mike Holmgren, like look at him and go, Mike, why are there two kickers on your roster? <laughs> Why do you have Alindo Mare and Brandon Kotu both on your roster? You have two kickers on your roster. Why do you have two kickers? Just watch the steam oh. gradually come out of his ears because it wasn't Holmgren. No, Holmgren was not the reason no, they had no, two kickers. No, it wasn't. Uh, well, I'm not ready to write the season. I know everybody else is. It's three and six, and uh, who oh, they knows? got a shot to make the playoffs. I still, I mean, you look at the yeah. you look at the landscape of the NFC. You don't need to talk to Mister Playoffs. He, he'll tell you that the NFC, that that last wild card spot is going to be at best nine and eight, a nine and eight football team. They still got five games against the have nots. Yep. If they win them all and win one of the others, they can still get to nine. Having said all this, you know, just the cutaways at the end of Pete Carroll watching the clock expire. He was only down 10 nothing at the time. There was still three minutes to go. He's got three timeouts. He's not taking him. He's just let. He's just waving the white flag. Just uh, I, I give mercy, Uncle. Like my big brother used to make me say, Uncle. It just it, it, it's a pathetic. It's it was a pathetic view, wasn't it on Sunday? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was. There's no other way to. 
that's happened a lot when they've gone up there recently. And they haven't they haven't won there since Holmgren was a head coach since Holmgren's first year as head coach. I remember. Have they game. gone to yeah. gone to Green Bay and won that Monday that night. Monday night game that yeah. was up there? Yeah. So, but it's not all's lost. It's not that they won't make the playoffs. I just this team's going to get into the playoffs at best, right? Like they're not they're not going to the defense is playing better, better, but, better. Yeah. But they're not going to make it. Why is next year going to be better? Like if you if you sit there and say, hey, this is just a lost season. How do you look at this team? And that's where I would come back to if Philadelphia is there offering you three first round picks for Russell Wilson, if, if that, if that, cause Philadelphia needs a quarterback, they could end up with the three first round. They have two first round picks in 2022, plus the one from Indianapolis, which can go, can go from a second to a first. If they give you those three picks and their first round pick next year, do you say no to that? Because you're like, he's so good that we can't give him up, but whoa, you're not really going whoa. anywhere with him. Can we wait? <laughs> Do we have to have that? I'm not ready. I don't have to. Right now. Right now. <laughs> I don't have from two kickers to trading Russell Wilson. I, right now. I don't have the bandwidth, and I need you on your microphone to have that conversation. <laughs> I need you. You've, in been, your- <laughs> you've been so patient. This was like a flashback. This is why Mitch has no cell phone policies. Uh, <laughs> I've, got, I've got a janky headset microphone that I've subjected poor Mitch to. No, you're fine. Danny O'Neill, episode 166. By the way, if you didn't know this, if you're not a patron, you didn't know this, you can catch him each and every week with me for the patrons uh, during the course of the week. And you'll be back in New York when we I talk will. again? I'll be on my real microphone. Okay. I'll, and I'll trim my beard. <laughs> I'll trim my beard for you. Thank you, Danny. Mitch, love you. Take care. So here I am having a good week, feeling all great about myself. And then here she comes. There's no better person to remind me of my limitations than Katie Versio, senior financial planner of our partner at Evergreen GovCal. Hi, Katie. Hi, Mitch. Thanks for having me back. Thanks for being back. Three questions more. And the theme today is tax reform. So this is a big hot topic in the news this year. The House just a few weeks ago recently released updates to their proposed legislation. And this is especially relevant for us. In 2020, Evergreen acquired a tax firm. Mm -hmm. So with the help of Evergreen Sterling Cooter, we put together a few questions. Yes, I knew that. I knew about the acquisition of the tax firm. Let's go. Question number one. I'd like to hit one out of the ballpark. One of these things. All, Go ahead. All right. So the first question, the proposed maximum tax rate is increasing to 39.6% starting at $400,000 for individuals or 450000 for married couples. What's the current maximum tax rate? Is it 30%, 32%, 37%, or 38%? Well, it's not 30. It's either 32 or 37. I'll say 32%. Oh, you sh- it was actually 37%. In this proposal, it would go from 37 to okay. 39.6. Got it. So it's up 2.6% in the highest bracket. Question number two. All right. This this might be one for you. This is true or false. Oh. <laughs> so this proposal repeals 1031 real estate exchanges, which allows you to sell investment real estate and defer capital gains tax by rolling it into another property. Is that true or false? Sounds true to me. It's actually false. Oh. Yes, it was uh, in the original proposal. They were recommending repealing it, but it is not in this version. So oh. holders of investment real estate can hold a sigh of relief. Okay. 
I'm 0 for 2. I've got one last shot to get off the schneid and at least hit 333. Go ahead, Katie Versio. Okay, so this proposal recommends increasing the top capital gains rate from 20 to 25%. What is the starting date for this increase under this proposal? So is it starting January 1st, 2021? So going all the way back to the beginning of the year. April 30th, 2021, September 13th, 2021, or January 1st, 2022? September 13th is just too (laughs) obscure of a date for you to throw at me. Where would you come up unless it's your birthday or something? I'm going, I'm going September 13th. I'm trying to read you, Katie. All right. Well, you got that one. You read me pretty well. Yes, so that was actually the date that the House released this updated legislation. So any gains that are incurred after that date will be effective at the new rate. That's fantastic. All right, I went one for three. And how do we find out some information if we want to know more about the tax firm that you guys acquired several months back? Yes. So anyone interested can reach out to me directly at my email, kvercio at evergreengovcal.com or visit our website at evergreengk.com. And GovCall is G-A-V-E-K-A-L. Evergreen GovCall is everything wealth. You know, I got to say, a month or so ago, our family added a new fireplace to our backyard patio, and it's been awesome. We have a TV out there. It's perfect. And the service that we received from Fireside Home Solutions, absolutely unparalleled. Here's owner John Waterstretch. J-Dub, welcome back. Your team was incredible. Thanks, Mitch, and I really appreciate the kind words on that, and I think you hit it on the head. It's team. It's not just about me and uh, our relationship, but our team does a great job. I know you've met uh, certain people from our team, from the people that walk the job with you, and then our installers, so it does take a team to get everything done for you. They were out here, John, I think four times. They looked at the space. They came up with options, installation, finalizing, teaching all of our family members how to use the system. And this was not because of your and my relationship, right? This is what you guys do. You're you're right on. You're right on it. There's a reason why we do those trips. One is to first kind of take that initial measurement of kind of what you want, how you want it. You wanted the TV out there. You wanted some heat. And we talk a little bit about once we get dialed in with what kind of product we want, then we're going to make sure our installation team comes out there, helps you lay it out, get some final measurements. Then we have our installers come out there. And then that final touch up is what you're talking about showing you guys how everything works. We want to make sure your new product, uh, you know how that works. And if you have any questions, we'll be there to help you. What are the turnaround times these days, John? Ours was very quick. Yep. And we talk a lot about that on other shows. It's really important to tell us about your time frame. work with your salesperson. If you want something quick, we can get that out quick with stock product. And if uh, it's something that you really want and it's uh, a specialty order product, you might be waiting six to eight months. I, I think the best method having been through it, John, is to have your team out for a look first and then visit one of your showrooms and get a look-see and go from there. Is that it? That's it. Uh, I think uh, we are here for you. So however your your planning works, but it's all about planning. So we want to help plan this space, whether it's outdoor, indoor, or a garage door. Mm-hmm. We're here to help you, and getting that patience and planning is the most important part. And don't let the name fool you, Fireside Home Solutions. They do garage doors as well as anybody. Football season is fireplace season. And listen, if you enjoy Mitch Unfiltered and this podcast, Begin your search with a really important partner that makes Mitch Unfiltered possible. Fireside Home Solutions. 
FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Unfiltered. Other stuff segment, Hot Shot Scott. Do you want to go first? Do you want to go right to Jimmy Lake? Or what do you want to do? Let's get Jimmy Lake over with. What do you think? Well, I... People were, I got into it with a guy on Twitter about, you know, hey, remember when we played, I, I saw much worse things, you know, yeah, that, that whole routine. Yeah. You probably did see much worse. Of course, things. yeah. I mean, I, I Do you remember, you remember seeing a teammate get shoved by a coach? I'll never forget this guy, Brad Trito, this big 300-pound guy I played yeah. with, get literally yeah. kicked in his ass for getting water by the head coach. Really? Like, foot to the butt. Bam! I mean, yeah. so and nobody you know, thought twice of it. No, he, he put the water down and got back in line. Right. <laughs> right? I mean, he was scared <laughs> to death, you know? So, of course, but yeah. as I told the guy... Yeah, it's not 1991 anymore, it turns out. No, it's not. It's 2021. Got to play the game. Different set of rules. Got to play the game. You can't let that go on. No, of course he has to go. And, and then the guy's like, well, you didn't see the whole thing with the context of it. He was trying to push. I saw the whole thing. You can't strike a guy on his face mask and then give him a two-hand And now show. there's allegations that just before he took the head coaching job in, in 2019, there was a game in Arizona where at halftime, he took one of the wide receivers and picked him up and shoved him into the locker. Oh, That's a new one. Really? Five different Husky players that are going unnamed confirmed the incident to the Seattle Times. And I, I believe that this dismissal now on Sunday when they fired him yeah. had, had to be related to now a second incident that they had to investigate. And at the end of the day, you know, I hate to be, I, I hate to be unemotional. Look, I, I'm sorry for Jimmy Lake. Sure. I'm sure he's a hell of a nice guy. Um, I don't know that he's going to get now the $9 million that he's owed. They're going to probably try to fire him for cause and get out of having to pay him wow. the $9 million that he's owed for the next three years. From where I sit as kind of a casual Husky fan, if I'm even that, my, my son goes there. This thing was in the toilet and this thing was in the toilet whether he struck a player against Oregon or he didn't yeah and this thing was in the toilet whether he struck a player in 2019 in Arizona or he didn't and I, I, I this may sound silly but I almost think that these incidents have kind of I don't want to say is a, are a blessing in disguise they needed to move on yeah. from this coaching staff Yep. This thing was going the wrong way. You've got you've got parents of players tweeting out in the middle of the game, fire the coach. I mean, this thing was done. Yeah, he lost. Was, he lost the any ability to recruit to to pull this thing out of the crapper. This thing was done. They had to move on from Jimmy Lake. What this thing probably did is save the the University of Washington a shitload of money. And That's he, probably what happened. He handed it to him on a silver platter too. He I'm, did. They wanted out. They probably we don't did. know that. Well, but you, remember, I he, think they probably he, did. Well. But. I'm certain that some people wanted out, and maybe there would they would have gotten out. Yeah. But remember, Jen Cohen, while she's still the athletic director, she did hire him. Yeah. She picked him, so she probably would have been the last person that wanted to fire him. So I'm not sure. Okay. We're not sure that at the end of this season that they would they 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 needed to. Yeah. But now they now they're forced to, right? Well, forced. Yeah. yeah. Now now they they get to. Now they get to, <laughs> and like, maybe <laughs> save the money. Yeah. That's crazy. That's I didn't hear that That's nine million part. bucks. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Now maybe they'll give him a portion of it anyway, and I don't. I don't know. Yeah. And now the offensive coordinator has been fired since the last time you and I saw each other. Now the head coach has been suspended and fired since the last time you and I saw each other. The team came out sizzling out yep. of the gate on Saturday night. Put two scoring drives together out of, the, and they looked completely different. They were innovative and they were misdirection and they were throwing the ball and they were they were twenty they were living in twenty twenty one as opposed to nineteen forty seven. <laughs> they looked completely, and then they 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 lost that lead and they lost the game. Yeah, and now the question is, 
Jen Cohen. Now, you probably, anybody who listened to the Danny O'Neill piece and the Rick Neuheisel piece, you've heard me discuss with others what should happen or what's going to happen with the University of Washington. What do you think should happen? Well, I mean, it's, it's a... Is You're a Washington fan. Is she not allowed to choose a football coach and be wrong and get another shot at it? I mean, is it a foregone conclusion that if you hire a coach that then gets fired because of... No. You know, no, that's not a foregone conclusion at all. I mean, does she deserve another chance? I mean, that's my ask. I'm asking you. She took a chance on a Husky, a guy that's been there a long time, you know, and it didn't work out. So does, does that mean that, well, she's not good at doing at picking head coaches. She has to go. I don't think so necessarily. Where's the Washington basketball program? Yeah, it's not good. It's they're they're both hers. I know. But we loved him. What, two years ago? Yeah, but that doesn't I've heard that argument and that argument does not carry water. OK, what people thought uh, I, I, I've, I've, I've gotten that tweet a lot, yeah. which is, hey, we all we all applauded her when they hired these guys in the first place. It doesn't matter. That's not the the athletic director's job is performance. Yeah. Wins and losses. It does not matter. First of all, I don't know that that's true. Well, Hopkins wasn't I was a disaster. Not, I was not a huge hop. As much as I like Hopkins from Syracuse, yeah. I was worried about what he would look like as a head coach. And he proved me wrong the first two years, although he won with other people's guys. But he, uh, he won Pac-12 Coach of the Year the right. first two years out of the gate. But... The point, the, 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 the argument, hey, when she hired these guys, we all loved it. That's no excuse. Yeah. Who cares? The question is, did she hire the right people? What's the state of the program now? Not was it applauded at the time. Yes. That, 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 that earns her nothing. But it, it's for me, it's not was she applauded at the hiring. It was like he was actually a – Hopkins had success. He wasn't a disaster from the get-go is what I'm saying. Correct. Had he been a disaster Correct. from the get-go, it, that's, that's but different. But Jimmy Lake was a disaster yeah, from the get he's been a disaster, yeah. yeah, from the, from the so beginning. So it sounds like you, you're in favor of letting her go. I mean, letting her continue on as I, the athletic director. I'm in favor of her taking another swing at it. I, okay. But I, I think she made a mistake by, going, by, t- by not even looking. Outside of Chris Peterson walked into her office and said, let's hire Jimmy Lake. Okay. Well, that's what happened. She loves Chris Peterson. Understandably. So he holds a lot. He held a lot of weight in the athletic department when he quit and he wanted Jimmy Lake to get the job. And she listened to him and she said to herself, who knows more about football than Chris Peterson? Yeah. I love Chris Peterson. Let's give Jimmy Lake the job. Mistake. That's what, that's what I gather happened. Nothing more, nothing less than that. She, if, if she's going to stay, she's got to, it's got to be a full-on search. I mean, you're a Pac-12 school. You don't just then promote the next assistant. I mean, come on. Go out and spend some money. You're a big, you're a big school with a lot you of money. You think John Donovan, the old offensive coordinator, has a chance at the job? <laughs> I wonder if he's going to send his resume to her. <laughs> no, I don't think he does, oh, but he, he should at least try. Yeah. But I mean, what, who says they can't go out and get a, a, I guess, I don't know what a big name is, but, you know, someone who's had success out there. Why, why do they have to promote within? No, go out. Go out. Well, the nine point nine million, if they can, if they can salvage it and not have yeah. to give it to them, would go a long way of helping pay the next guy. That would, for some reason, That's a lot I'm, of money. It is, but I'm, I just, I, I really hope he gets a portion of it, at least. I mean, I don't like people losing their jobs, and you know, I mean, it's like we to be judged on your worst day. No, you know, it just Please sucks, don't. man. I, I really don't. hope he at least gets something Please out of don't. it. Anyway, that's the Washington story for. For now, Washington State had a chance yeah. and uh, lost to Oregon over the weekend. So Oregon has got a nice inside track. We all love that <laughs> to the uh, NCAA Final Four of college football. If they win out, they've got a couple of games and they've yeah. got to beat. I think Utah twice and Oregon State. They're our tribal, but 
Oregon's looking very rosy right now and Slickhawk's happy. My, my wife was looking at a, it was an apple cup package at this auction we were at on Saturday. Yeah, it was really yeah. cool. It had like half husky, half cougar. Did it have any sweaters in it? It, it had all kinds of stuff, but no sweaters. But yeah. it was two tickets to the game. And it, Which game? To the Apple Cup. Oh. It was an Apple Cup package. Oh, Apple it, Cup including package. tickets. Yeah, sure. I'm thinking to myself, if we, first of all, if we win it, it's always way over the value. You can't look at it that way, right? So what, what are we winning? And I was like, do I want to go to this game even if we win this package? Do I want to sit there and watch the Cougars beat the crap and out of the Huskies? probably in a storm. Yeah, right. I mean. Cold and wet. Who knows where the seats are, freezing. I know. I know. I'd rather sit in the Paramount for... For oh, me, nice yeah. and warm in there. Delightful, yeah. yes. I can't wait. At 175 a clip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what do you have on your list? Uh, let's see. I have... through them. Uh, sorry, I didn't have it up. Were you keeping an eye on Paolo Boncaro? What's his name? Yes. Bonca- Are you keeping an eye on the uh, uh, yes. O'Day's finest? It's, it's possible that the dude is the best college basketball player in America the first day of his freshman year. <laughs> Crazy, yes. right? Yes. I think I saw him at like a Nike outlet or something. He's enormous. Yeah. Like I'm, th- I'm looking at him going, okay, I, that's who goes to Duke, I guess. Yes. The muscles and they height played, and oh my at, God. At the time of this recording, I think they've played three games and he's been unbelievable in all three. Yeah. 22 and seven against Kentucky. He had uh, 18 and seven the night before or the night after. Couldn't or get him to the UW. Couldn't get him to the UW. He's got ties to the UW. He's got family uh, yeah. ties to His the UW. His mom was the all-time leading scorer when she left UW. Yeah. I actually kind of knew her mutual friends. And oh, not, really? Not that way. But like yeah. Tanya Harding way or no? No, not not quite that way, but mutual friends. Nice. But yeah, ties to the U. His dad, I think his dad played football there too. I couldn't think, get him. I think he's, I, I don't know that he's going to be the number one overall pick in the NBA draft, but he's going to be one of the top five picks already. We're talking about it. He hasn't played three games. hasn't played That's four right. games yet. We kind of felt that way good. about Zion Crazy too. Crazy good. Crazy Isn't he? good. He's got the three. He's got the hops. He's got it all. Great. I was like, wow. He's great. Good for him, man. And they got a couple of guys that are freshmen that are on that team that yeah. are very good. And one Coach of K's final go-around. That's right. Final yeah. go-around. I Coach can't remember K. his name. He had he had braids, but he had a huge dunk in that game. Uh, one The other freshman, I can't remember his name, but yeah, I know. They always have these diaper dandies, don't they? I'll make a recommendation for you. It's probably not as much for you as it is for other listeners in our audience because you don't really like sports. That's true. Next time you go to Vegas, if you're listening to me and you haven't checked out the new Circa, mm. I sent some video on Twitter. Uh, it's You probably have heard about it. It's the most revolutionary sports book that's ever been built. It's not on the Strip. That's the, that's the thing. Yeah. It's in downtown Vegas. I hadn't been to downtown Vegas in maybe only once in my life 20 years huh. ago when I was a kid, 25 years ago. I guess I wasn't a kid back then. But <laughs> no, you 60 weren't. years ago. I'm an old white guy. Um, the Cirque. It's, it's called, called Cirque? I think it's called Circa. Circa, okay. C I R C A. You had the, I think you had the, the I had the owner and developer. I promised him when he was on the podcast that next time I go to Vegas, I'll go see it. I didn't go to Vegas for a couple years. I went this past weekend or a weekend ago. And uh, so I went and I I met him. Oh, you did? And I went and I, I, the the place is just, it's, it's just impossible to describe. Oh, okay. The, they have something called Stadium Swim. Okay. Where you go out to the pools, there's like eight pools, and they've got this board, like a sports book board with yeah. every game under the sun up for people to watch. In the water. It's not in the water. No, but you're in the water. You're in the water. Right. That's, so it's as and advertised. And then the sports book is three floors, oh my three gosh. levels. <laughs> there's like a mezzanine where you hang over. They've got, you know, stadium seating. It's like nothing you have ever seen. If you like a nice sports, you, there's there's never been a sports book that's been that's been uh, developed like this. So try it, Circa. Sounds like you found your Graceland. That's your Graceland. Well, the the one thing that I will say was very busy, and we weren't staying there. We went over to check oh. it out and meet the guy. 
and I stayed there for football, but it was hard to get a chair and hard to get a okay. spot in the sports book, and it's expensive to get spots, and they, it's just, the food minimums. I mean, it's a, it's a real scene. Okay. But it's worth it's worth checking out yeah. once in your life. I'm in. Definitely. When you were in Vegas, did you run into John Gruden at all? Or No. You didn't happen to see him? I'm just no. curious. You saw him floating around. No. Do we want to talk floating about Floating around? No. Do we want to talk about him suing the NFL no, now? No, no, we don't. Do you want to move on from that? Yeah. That's... How about the Henry Ruggs thing? Have we talked about the Henry Ruggs? Yeah, yeah. I guess we did. Yeah. We... How about the fact that he's his now legal defense? Have you seen what his legal defense is? I don't want to, no. Uh, then forget no, it. No, go ahead. That the firefighters didn't get there fast enough and didn't put out the flames fast enough. Oh, okay. That's what his defense is. That she could have lived, the 23-year-old woman in the other car could have lived if the firefighters had acted quicker and more appropriately. Well, was Guy nice. was going 156 miles. And I know lawyers are going to be lawyers. Right. and They're getting paid big money to develop a case right. in his favor to defend the guy. The guy was going 156 miles an hour seconds before impact yeah i think impact was at 127 and their claim is the firefighters didn't get there in time and didn't get the flames out in time to yeah. save her it's typically no. their fault it's, the, the firefighters have had it too good for too long it's, <laughs> God. It, it's high time we come down on them and their God. response times there Jesus you go Christ. all right do, we talked two rest in pieces and i'm pretty much done okay do you see the story about the soccer player who did like a tanya harding type she's yes so yes i saw that paris saint germain player Amanita Diallo has been released from custody as police continue to investigate a Tanya Harding style attack on her teammate. So it, it, same thing where like two guys jumped her or beat her for like, we're laughing, oh. but for like two minutes, like to injure her. And it's all because she wanted more playing time, playing time. You're going to have that done to somebody. I think Tanya Harding's name comes up on this, uh, this podcast way too often. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't think anybody else in the world ever talks about Tanya Harding anymore. <laughs> We find a way. <laughs> yeah, is do. it because you went out with her? Or? Maybe, but she was actually trending when this story cracked. Tanya Harding was up. Oh, thank you very much. But when this, when, <laughs> when, this, when this story happened, I was like, why is okay. Tanya trending? Okay. Because it is kind of the same thing. It's pretty, it's, I mean, it's not a brilliant idea. I don't know why people need to stop doing this. It's never going to work. They're always going to figure <laughs> it out, you dumbbells. Uh, go ahead. Oh, Keep you got going. okay. Keep going. I just got RIPs. Yeah, I got a couple too. I got two RIPs. Do, you want, do I want to talk about what this lead singer did for this rock band? Do Maybe? I know? It's pretty gnarly. Okay, then go. I'll go. save it for the patrons. Yeah. They like that kind of stuff. <laughs> okay, this is kind of cool. After more than 50 years, yes. the man responsible for one of the most notorious bank robberies in Ohio history has been identified. Now, he was 20 years old when he robbed a bank that he worked at, just shoved a bunch of money in a paper bag and walked out and yeah. left and got a new life and lived. And really? He's, he's, he managed to avoid capture for 52 years. That wow. stuff always fascinates me. Wow. I, I think those days are over, by the way. Like, th there's no getting off the grid. And there's a camera at every, you know, forget it, right? Right. Those days are over. So, yeah, 52 years. But um, you were going to say there's a camera at every corner. There's a camera in every person's hand. Right. I mean, every square inch of the you're earth. Gonna, you're going to stay up on lights and in corners. Well, There's a camera in the guy's hand like, next to you. Yeah. These yeah. days, the, those no, days are. Over. It's not happening yeah, anymore. No, no. And forget Google. There's no earth. bank heists anymore. I don't think there is. Is yeah, there? It's too bad. But like, let's say you I have, like a nice bank. Heist. I know. I'm a sucker for that. It's kind of quaint. It's isn't a good it? movie. If you have two million dollars in cash, what do you even do with it? How, like, you can't put it in the bank. That gets triggered. Like, what do you even do with? Two million cash these days. No. I mean, how many restaurants? How many dinners can you go to? You know? <laughs> go to the and then you go to the casino with it. There's cameras there. Yeah, yeah. I think heists are over. But anyway, he, he ended up dying at the age of 71. So I, I don't know why this came up and why they decided to figure out who it was now. But I, I always like that kind of stuff. 
All right, Logan. Uh, you don't want Logan Paul. All right, do you want to do your oh, RIPs? Jesus. Well, hey, Logan. I have two. You probably have the same two. It's actually good news. Logan Paul's selling his house. And he's moving to like Port of Ireland or something. Paul. I don't care about the Paul. He part. sold his house for nine million dollars. Why is he rich? <laughs> what does he do to make money? Nine million. Leave this, me alone. This with like the Paul I, I can't take it anymore. This like put me over. The fact that he had a nine million dollar house uh, before the boxing crap. Yeah, I don't get it. All right, real quick. Soap yes. opera actor Jerry Douglas passed away at eighty-eight years old, or did he? Really? It's a soap opera joke. Clearly, oh, you didn't watch soap opera. Oh. They would always come back from the dead. And, oh, all right, anyway. Yeah. Well, JR, you, um, Bobby Ewing died, and it was just a dream. Yeah, just a dream. Yeah, exactly. The whole year was just a dream. Soap a operas years. would have like evil twins, of course. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he was, uh, he logged nearly 900 episodes on Young and the Restless, but he was also in Mission Impossible, Melrose Place, The Hulk, FBI, okay. just to name a few. So rest okay. in peace, 88 years old to Jerry Douglas. How many do you have? Two. Go ahead. An- go another ahead. actor, real quick, Dean Stockwell. Yeah. 85. Yeah. Yeah, 85 years old, started with Scott Bakula in Quantum Leap. Yep. He was in all 97 episodes. but And he actually received a Best Supporting Actor nomination in 1988's Married to the Mob. And he also co-starred in films like Dune, Blue Velvet, nice. Paris, Texas. He was a really, really good I, actor. I, I recognize his face, yes. Yeah, and he was a, a fixture at all the science fiction uh, conventions. because I think he was also on Battlestar Galactica as well. So well, I have these. two, one from the world of sports and one from the world of entertainment. Okay. But one, one from the world of sports, rest in peace to Sam Huff. Hall of Fame defensive star of the New York Giants back in the early days when Jim Brown was running the football. He died at the age of 87. It just so happens that I got to know Sam a little bit in my days in Washington because after his playing days came up, he was a longtime fixture as one of the voices of then the Washington football team. Uh, He was part of the trio called Sonny, Sam, and Frank. Sonny Jurgensen. Do you remember the name Sonny Jurgensen? Yeah, yeah. Sam Huff and Frank Herzog. They were legendary in D.C. for years and years and years when Joe Gibbs was winning Super Bowls and Doug Williams was winning Super Bowls. During the glory days, there was nobody bigger than the radio triumvirate of Sam Huff, Sonny Jurgensen, and Frank Herzog. And he was a great, great football player, one of the greatest defensive players of his generation. He died at the age of 87 and a lovely man. I knew him a little bit, a little, little tiny bit. Yeah. And he was always very kind. I was very young back then. I was just getting into the business. Very, very sweet man. He'll be missed at 87. So he, he, those three called the games or they have yes. a radio show too, or they just, they did it all. They, did, oh, they, they did. had radio shows. Okay. They were just, they were bigger than the, sometimes bigger than the players, hmm. Sonny, Sam, and Frank. Wow. What a great time to call games for that team. Right? 1980s. I mean, they were huge. They were bigger than the president. <laughs> Doug Williams coming out of nowhere to win right. it, and then Mark Rippin and Mark Rippin. Those correct. teams were good. Joe back Theismann, then. did he win it? Probably. I think, yeah, I think he won it. Uh, well, yeah, he definitely won it against your team one year, didn't he? Like John Riggins off the left tackle. <laughs> yeah, sounds like you remember a little bit about that. <laughs> yes, he did win it. So, who's your other RIP? Um, a name that you won't know offhand, but okay. you'll remember the role that he played. His name was is Karanji Calhoun. All right. He died of congestive heart failure at the age of 30. Oh. 20 years ago in 19, what would have been? In 2001, 20, 2001, 2001, he played a 10-year-old, a critically acclaimed performance. He, uh, he played a 10-year-old in the movie Monster's Ball, the 10-year-old overweight son of Halle Berry. That's right, Halle Berry, yeah. She won an Academy Award for it. Was it Billy Bob in that Billy too? Bob yeah. Thornton was the love interest in the guy who was... Do you remember the movie? Yeah. Okay, so you remember the story? Yeah, I, I remember seeing it, but I don't remember it that well. I think her husband was executed okay. on death row, and he was 
he was the officer involved or officer involved, and then they got involved and right. whatever, whatever. Anyway, um, the son, who was 10 years old and overweight at the time, was a guy, an, an actor by the name of Karanji Calhoun. It's the only oh. time he ever, I think, was in a in a movie. Huh. And he was it was critically acclaimed. Yeah. And there's been interviews since then with Halle Berry, like in 2003, 2004, where she was quoted as saying it was a really hard movie to do because if you recall, she scolds the kid for being overweight. Oh. She's very hard on her son for being overweight. And she claimed in this interview years later that she and the director had to grab him and put their arm around him in between takes oh, to make sure he understood this is just make-believe. You're a, you're a beautiful human being just the oh, way you are. Gosh. And they had to kind of ride it. But, but, yeah. the, but the script called for some harsh treatment. And his reaction to that, she said, his reaction to that when she would say to him, we're just make-believing. This is just acting. We love you just the way you are. He said something like, and I'm paraphrasing, Miss Hallie, <laughs> nothing you can say in this movie is worse than what my fellow students say to me in school. Ugh. Yeah. Talk about heartbreak. Right. It is heartbreaking. Yeah. Anyway, uh, age 30, passed uh, away Karanji Calhoun of congestive heart failure. 30 with CHF. 30. Yeah. That is really young. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. I that's I, it. That's all I got. I, I need a quick little buffer story in between that and what I'm going to sure. tell you about. Sure. The folks over at Prop Store are holding an auction for some of the most iconic film and TV props ever made. I don't know why I love this crap. Up for bid is Will Ferrell's elf costume. Now, that's actually okay. kind of cool. Yeah. I never saw it. You never saw it? No. Okay. Well, it's a movie about... I know what it is. An elf in the North Pole. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> people love that movie. It's like a Christmas classic. Is it one of those movies that people feel obliged yeah, to see that they yeah. like? This one doesn't make you smarter for saying it, but... Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. The, like it, Pulp Fiction? $296,000 this costume went for. Really? They were hoping between twenty dollars and $40,000. Wow. Somebody spent two hundred ninety-six grand on Will Ferrell's stupid elf costume. Ridiculous. Crazy. Who's got that kind of loot? The Crazy. person wanted to stay anonymous for obvious reasons, because maybe it's... Wife doesn't know he spent that kind of money. Whoever bought it, I don't know. But if you want to buy the yeah. the famous volleyball from the Tom Hanks movie Castaway, yeah, sure, Wilson, Wilson, Wilson yeah, yeah, that that already sold for three hundred eighty eight grand. Really, a volleyball? Wow, Wilson. <laughs> I thought Wilson got washed out to see. Didn't he lose him? And he's, that's why he's yelling Wilson. Yeah, he did. He lost him. Well, they but found they must him. Must have got him back. <laughs> they found it now. They just made four hundred grand oh, off that stupid God. flat volleyball. A collectible world, I keep saying, is going, all right. In a now viral clip, a mom explained that she had given her toddler her phone to play games on whilst she hopped in the shower. It was a preschool learning game that she plays off, and the mom said, I'm not so sure that's true, but nonetheless. <laughs> uh, next thing I know, she is knocking on my door asking me to help her fix something. The mom's in the shower. Of course, I tell her to come in so I can help her so she can keep playing. Hands me the phone while I'm in the shower, except when she agreed to help her, she had no idea that her daughter was no longer playing her game, but accidentally brought up Instagram and hit live recording. Uh-oh. I quickly realized that my phone is broadcasting live on Instagram, the uh -oh. mom revealed before adding, in my hand while I'm in the shower. Uh-oh. Yeah, not good. No. The video, as you can imagine, has received more than 22,000 <laughs> likes. <laughs> Probably more now. And uh, hundreds of comments oh, from God. people. But you can imagine how embarrassed the mom is about this, so much so that she doesn't know if she'll ever be able to show her face on her OnlyFans account again. I once tried taking a selfie in the shower. Didn't work very well, though. I have selfie steam issues. <laughs> this almost happened to Mitch. I don't know if everyone knows that. This almost happened to Mitch when he was showering one time. Luckily, a, a young Max handed him their landline. So there was no harm done there. <laughs> and finally, let this be a valuable lesson, all of uh, you who are obsessed with showering. I tried warning you. <laughs> this is what you get for a bathing. A young... 
Max Levy handed him a landline. <laughs> that's right. See, not, no cell phones. That's right. No harm was done no there. No cell phones, yep. baby. No cell phones. All right. We're back to normally normally scheduled program. We'll do a whole bunch of shows, and people will stop being a patron because we're giving them too much. I don't know what to, people will complain. I don't know what to tell you about that. I, when I'm I was doing in the radio, best that I could, Eric Powers would always tell me that content is king. Content, he loved that phrase. You not know. here in the podcast world. I guess not. It's too much. Too much content earns you less listeners. Yeah, I don't know how that works, but episode 166. Follow Scott on Twitter. Follow Mitch on Twitter. You can also uh, check out the brand new YouTube Mitch Unfiltered channel. Yep. And uh, subscribe for free there, too, as well. And become a Mitch Unfiltered patron. Episode 166, ladies and gentlemen, in the books. Mm-hmm.